Welcome to the 339th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Lookin. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes podcast entertainment every single week. Sometimes I talk about old movies like Percy Jackson in the Olympians Lightning Thief from 2010. Sometimes I do random off of my mind topics, usually comic related. Or sometimes I look back at old comic series, like currently looking at the What If Comics from 1976 and it's 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 kind of cool because this is when it all first started you know before we had like the crazy multiverse that you saw like every other week or whatever but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash jman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three that's ko hyphen dash whatever you want to call it hyphen fi.com slash gman from heck i threw myself out there uh, the reason i was kind of laughing before so i was the little cat kind of walking by he's he's he just cracks me up he's such a goofball so he just do 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 just walking doing nothing just, just made me laugh all right uh hopefully you are going to be laughing and entertained this episode what are we going to talk about movie feature there wasn't anything really that i would consider podcast you know podcast worthy movie podcast movie uh, that came out this past week. So I went and saw Bob Marley One Love that came out on Valentine's Day, same day as uh, Madam Web. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as everyone makes it out. I, I'm talking about Madam Web. I think people just you need to calm down. <laughs> it's it's just enjoy it for a movie. Think about the characters and the fact that we see Julia Carpenter, we see Anya Corazon. You know, we're we're seeing these characters on a big screen. Maddie Franklin. I never would have thought we'd get Maddie Franklin on a big screen. And they had good chemistry together. It was just a horrible. <laughs> it was just such a silly. I don't know if I'd say horrible. It was kind of horrible. Such a silly script. Such a silly villain. Motive for the villain. Anyways, we're talking about uh, Bob Marley, One Love, which I I did enjoy a lot more than, than Madam Web. Uh, there's going to be more Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Star Wars Bad Batch is back. They dropped not one, not two, but three episodes. I feel like this is going to be a slightly longer episode. Uh, so I'm only going to talk about the first two episodes and not, not three. So we'll say maybe this next week we'll do like, because I, I think it's going back to one episode, I hope, per week. So next episode, 340, I'll do episodes uh, 303 and 304. Uh, there's also Avatar, The Last Airbender. It came out, the live action uh, Last Airbender came out on Netflix. All eight episodes are out. I only had a chance to watch the first one, so we'll, we'll talk more about that. You can find out, well, what did I think? How do I as, compare it to the original, to the anime, and all, all that? I, we'll, we'll talk more about that later, what I can say and what I have no idea about at that. Um, and uh, I think I said Mr. and Mrs. Smith already said that. I'm not going to do Has Been Hotel anymore. I, I never got, I didn't really get any feedback over it. I'm curious to watch it. I, I think it's just going to be a matter of, trying to find a time on my own to, to watch that but let's get started with uh some news so uh the boys 
if you're interested in that, I'm just starting randomly wherever. Season 4 is going to be premiering on June 13th, 2024. My question is, do I have to watch Gen V before I watch Season 4? Because I, I still haven't watched it. I, I think, which is crazy, I'm still in the first episode. I thought I finished the first episode because I was talking to my daughter about it. She ended up watching it was like like really enjoying it. And uh, then I looked, I was like, oh crap, I never finished that first episode. And that was because it was at a time when there was just a lot coming out. And the fact that I think they had dropped three episodes that first week, it just threw me off. And then it just got to the point where I'm just like, it's been out too too long. I'm too far behind and there's too much. So I, I need to, and I just, I just don't have freaking time. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. What's, speaking of ridiculous, oh my goodness, the Joker 2. Whatever that's called. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I voiced my opinion. I really, I did enjoy the first one. I thought Joaquin Phoenix did a great job. Uh, it, it was, it was a fine movie. It is not a Joker movie. I don't like it as a Joker movie. I liked it for what it was. It was interesting, you know, execution. I just remembered. It's like, oh yeah, Robert De Niro was in that. It was a, you know, interesting, interesting execution. The way they made it, what it stood for, and everything like that. As far as a Joker movie, no, absolutely not. I, I'm appalled by that idea. But whatever, it's it's not my call. You know, not my above my pay grade because I have no no payment or whatever with so with that. So the sequel, I'm kind of like, do we really need a sequel? You know, Joaquin Phoenix is is great and everything. Uh, I don't know. But the movie apparently has a $200 million budget. $200 million. What? What the crap? $200 million. The first movie had a $60 million budget. Why, why do they need a $200 million budget? That is is ridiculous. Well, part of it, if, if you look at it, is Joaquin Phoenix is apparently getting $20 million to do this. So there's $20 million. And Lady Gaga is getting $12 million for that. I'm sure some people are really like, like, oh, why is he getting more? He's a male or whatever. I, I can only assume he's going to have more screen time because it's more about the Joker. I, I, don't, I don't know. Is it fair? Is it, see, this is the whole thing when, whenever we, we look at like pay equity and there's always like man versus women and stuff like that. But part of it also, it's like, you know, who's a bigger box office draw? Are people, you know, Joaquin Phoenix has done a, a ton of movies. He's won a ton of the awards. Who cares about the awards? I mean, do the awards matter? Are they, do they justify anything? Maybe. Cause they, didn't Lady, did Lady Gaga win anything for, um, what's that movie called with, uh, Bradley Cooper? I mean, she was, she was great in that. I don't, and I haven't seen her in uh, that American Horror Story, so I, I I don't know how it should be. But anyways, if you look at the, the two of them, twenty million, twelve and twelve million, that's thirty-two million dollars of the budget just right there. Whew. And uh, I, I I don't know. We'll 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 see how that 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 goes. Speaking of expenses and stuff like that, Mark Ruff, Ruffalo. When I first saw that the headline, you know, Mark Ruffalo is talking about. Uh, a Hulk like standalone movie, and he said that he priced himself out too too much. It's too expensive. So when I saw that, I'm like, does that mean that he he's demanding too much to do it? So that's why it's too expensive. But then I saw another article that's saying that it's it's a CG, the the motion capture, the the video, the VFX. Uh, apparently for She Hulk, which he wasn't even in it that much, 
and She-Hulk wasn't even in it that much, you know, some episodes especially. Apparently, it was $25 million per episode just to do She-Hulk. So, you can imagine doing a whole movie with a Hulk or whatever. So, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a shame because, you know, it'd be cool to see a Hulk movie, to see, like, what the heck. And I, But I also thought, I don't know about the rights thing. It's like, is it just about costs or do the rights have anything to do with it? I have no idea. Uh, Superman Legacy is going to begin filming apparently this week. So I really hope, and, and you know, there's going to be no way around this. I really hope the the, the paparazzi, that they just, or I hope that they just have high security around this. Because, you know, one of the big questions is like, shorts or no shorts? You know, that that's a, the big question. Even like cape or no cape, I'm assuming he's going to have a cape. There's got to be a cape, right? But the shorts are no shorts. That's a huge deal. What is a costume going to look like? We're probably going to see some super crappy, grainy footage, and it might not be that grainy. We're probably going to see some some bad costume. It's gonna it's gonna look really bad, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, look at this! They should have kept the Snyderverse." You know that's what's going to happen. You're gonna see some horrible, unpolished shot, and people are gonna compare it to the Snyderverse. But aside from from the Snyderverse stuff, I don't want to see the crappy, unpolished version. We saw that when you know we first saw Supergirl in the, the Flash movie. The costume didn't look that great in the shots, the, the angles or whatever. And in the movie, I thought it looked really cool. I, I thought you know I, I really enjoyed. I haven't seen the movie in almost a year now. I really enjoyed Supergirl in the movie, and, and I wish we saw more of her. Uh, so I just I don't want to. I, I want either to be in a trailer or in a movie the first time we see it, we don't need to see all these stupid shots. And I just don't understand. Maybe maybe someone's getting paid for it. Maybe you even, even if you watermark the picture, like, oh, I was able to get this shot, you are making nothing off of that. When you look at the shots, when you've, I mean, I've unfortunately looked at some of these spy footage, paparazzi footage or whatever, because I have to report on it or because it's, it's plastered. Like you open up social media and there it is. I never could remember who took the picture, even if it's watermarked or whatever. No one cares. No one's going to say, oh, Jimmy Johnson, he took this picture of whatever. <laughs> Who's Jimmy Johnson? Jimmy, whatever. No one's going to give them recognition. No one's going to pay them. Why would you pay them when it's going to be online? Again, even if you watermark it, bloop, 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 there you go. Either you crop it or you do whatever. You just say, oh, yep, it's watermark. Who cares? But look at it. Look at what this picture is showing. There's, and then you're like, oh, I'm cool because I got this shot. I'm ruining it. For, oh, I'm getting angry. So uh, I hope there's security for that. I don't want to see it. Joe uh, Mag Magnaliello, whatever, apparently was kind of told by James Gunn to just, just let it go. It's Deathstroke origin movies, it's not going to happen. And I, I don't know, it, as, as I was kind of reading it, I was kind of skimming the, what, what the exchange was. Because it was like a write-up. It wasn't even the original source. I, I think he, the original source he told comicbook.com, but I read it somewhere else. He basically, you know, he, he wrote, I guess he wrote the screenplay or co-wrote the screenplay, the origin or anything like that. And he's kind of wondering, he's like, is this going to be made or whatever? And part of it has to go with, because I guess Jim Lee read the, the screenplay and liked it. And, you know, he, he I, I don't know if he's like, well, if it's not going to be made, can we use it? Or if he wanted to use it anyways or whatever. But he's like, you know, let's make a graphic novel, you know, have... And, and part of it is like, oh, if you can attach Joe as the writer, you know, you can kind of sell it as that, like they did with the, the Penguin comic, I'm, I'm sure. But he's, I, I think part of it is like, well, if it's going to get made, they can't do it or whatever. And I think 
uh, James Gunn is just like, just let it go. It's like, I think the idea of the movie, because they have no plans for it. You know, they, they're restructuring, re, retooling everything. Deathstroke's going to be low priority. Sorry. You know, he's, he's a cool villain. I, I dig him. He's, he's not going to be like one of the first things they do. I, I don't know. And, and plus his ties are kind of, or his, his, his background is tied to the Snyderverse, which is gone. Thank you. So we'll, we'll see. Um, if, I mean, if there's a comic, obviously it's, you know, Deathstroke, I'm going to read it. So we'll have to see if that, that ever happens. Uh, another thing we'll have to see if it ever happens, David Tennant, apparently um is kind of eager he, he wants to play Kilgrave again in, in the mcu didn't he spoiler die <laughs> and jessica jones i don't i'm trying to remember how that was because I, I didn't he die like in a first season and then jessica was kind of haunted by his voice in the second like he wasn't really there but was he or whatever did he in, imprint himself on her her that's the crazy thing is like he could have you know implant and we saw this in i think it was in the the gail simone uh, Jessica Jones comic, which I, I enjoyed that, where there's like this like implanted, you know, memory command, which is kind of freaky. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see. I, I don't know. Will we see Jessica Jones uh, again is, is, is my bigger question. So I don't know. Um, speaking of uh, James Gunn or whatever, so uh, Spider-Verse artist, um, oh, I forget his name, but basically he, he shared some concept art for Batman Beyond animated movie pitch that that he's doing, or he, I don't know if it's just him or him and someone else, and they're kind of like you know pitch, they're like pitching their way up, trying to get it to, to James Gunn or whatever. I I when I first saw it, I don't know if this is the proper way to handle things because I think he's putting it out now. It's like, well, you know, we're still trying to wait, we're still trying to pitch this, but here's what we're working on, so you can see that. I I think the idea is like it, it looks cool, it looks looks very very slick. You know, the the two shots that we we saw, I think it's only two, and I think the idea is like, oh, let's get people excited because the Batman Beyond, fan, you know, the hardcore Batman Beyond fans, and we're like, yes, let's let's make this happen. You know, it'd be so incredible. And I think the idea is let, let's get the fans, you know, especially the, the hardcore fans excited. So then they'll start being like, James Gunn, hey, we need Batman Beyond. Hey, we need Batman Beyond to, to try to do that. But I don't know if this is a proper way. And I don't know how affiliated they are because it, it, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I I always hear comic writers, comic creators, they they tell they say this, no, they'll put out there. So they're like, do not submit any ideas to me. I cannot read, I legally cannot read any concept or any ideas, theories, or whatever that you might have. And the problem is because you may have someone, you know, because I know I th- I'm, I'm pretty sure like Dan Slott has said this before, but Dan Slott could be working on this here. Okay, we're gonna do um, Spider Verse Armageddon, um, who ate the last meatball part two. He could be like working on this now. It's not going to come out till next October or something like that. And then someone could say, "Hey Dan, you know, I was eating a bowl of, of spaghetti. The spaghetti kind of looked like wet websites." And then you know, on the, the TV at the bar, they're playing Armageddon, the movie um, with with uh, Ben Affleck. And I was thinking, it's like, how cool would it be if someone they're looking for that meatball and, and the Armageddon's on and whatever, and, and then you got Spider Verse because it's the pasta is almost like Spider. And then he's like yeah nice to meet you i'll sign your comic leave me alone and then it come a comic comes out, i was like i told dan this idea about ben affleck and eating pasta there was probably maybe there wasn't even spaghetti meatballs involved but then dan slot is or whoever is accused of stealing the idea because they but even though the, the script is already turned in 
you can't do so i don't know if it's if this is maybe not quite the same because this guy's in the industry but i feel but what if what if james gunn already had plans like oh you know oh i really like batman beyond we're gonna do this and then they're accused of, of stealing I, I don't know but i i do i do want batman beyond anything so I don't know. I just don't feel like you can't, if you're trying to pitch something, you can't publicly put it out there. It just doesn't seem like that's proper etiquette. But again, what, what do I know? <laughs> what I do know, or actually what I don't know, why the heck are they making a Crow reboot movie? This is really upsetting. I, I really like the Crow comic. I really like it. I really love the movie. And I, it breaks, literally, it like breaks my heart just a, a horrific tragedy of Brandon Lee. You know, he was so excited to do this movie. To do you know? Because you know, the movies before they they were they were okay. You know, they they were fine for what they were. But this is something he's really like stepping out of just doing regular martial arts movies. You know, the the just action movies of the eighties that you know are in the theaters for a couple of weeks and then you know no one thinks about them again. But you know he's he's really doing this movie, and then just a tragedy getting killed on set. It's horrific. Oh man! And just the, the the fact that you know we lost this 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 amazing person, and you know he's just gone. And and I know that's not really fair to the comic creator, to the movie creator. I mean that's why I mean I'll still watch the movie every once in a while. It's hard, and I, I but. It's it's like okay, whoever owns the right, whoever is hoping to make money off it, because everything is a business. You know, if you create a character, you know, you want to see it portrayed. You want to see. It, I'm assuming, you know, this is something. That it could have been a franchise, maybe I, at the time. Maybe who knows how successful if there would have been a second one. I mean, we did we did get more movies and they were horrific. But I, I yeah, you know, maybe it's time you know to do it. But I when I look at it, so Bill Skarsgård, who's 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 really good, and um, I forget the the ftw twax wax someone is playing shelly I, I forget her name don't, don't sorry but i'm like okay we're we're, we're getting we're, it's one thing if we're getting okay we're gonna get a crow movie fine okay but the fact that we're getting eric draven crow and shelly it's like so you're basically telling the same story again, which we have that, and I I know it's different. It's like, well, we had you know uh, George Clooney as Batman or Michael Keaton or Val, you know we don't need to ever have a Batman. It's it's not it's it's I get it. It's 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 just hard because, anyways. Uh, so what what I'm getting at is the Crow. Apparently, how the heck is this coming out already? I didn't even know they they were like done working on it, but apparently it's coming out. Uh, June seventh, twenty twenty four. Wow, is there the, the post production? Is there like lightning? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, so this is coming out through Lionsgate. So you know Lionsgate, they got money and it would you know they probably know what they're doing. I hope. Uh, but then that the ballerina movie with Anna de Armas, the John Wick spinoff, is getting pushed because I think that was coming out. I don't know if it was the same day. I think it might have been the same date. It's getting pushed to June sixth. 2025 and i don't know if that has anything to, I, I don't really know why it's being pushed back i have a feeling it's maybe it's just not ready it's probably a uh, writer strike director strike you know s stuff that it's not they're not going to be ready for this june and 
I'm all for, you know, it, don't rush something and make it crap. You know, if, if it has to be delayed, that sucks. I would rather be delayed and be good than just be rushed and be just, a, you know, a steaming piece of crap. And, uh, you know, what the, what the movie is, it's like, well, they can move it to October or whatever, but you know, you want those key dates, you know, and you want to have certain things locked in and it's all about, you don't want to compete against other big movies and, you know, all that. So it's, it's just like a a big game puzzle when you're trying to schedule all that. So whatever, you know, take, take the time, do it right, polish it, make sure it's good, make sure that the story's good and if there needs to be reshoots or whatever, clean stuff up. Just make it good. That's what I say. Um, and then uh, just a little bit of comic news. Uh, Comics Pro was, it's, I think it's like a retailer's uh, meeting thing. Just just happened last week. But a, a couple of things. <laughs> DC is, is doing a, a big event this summer. Yay. Awesome. It's a absolute power. Ugh. So the good news, it's a, I guess it's a four-issue limited series. Uh, written by Mark Wade and Dan Moore is doing the art. That's amazing, awesome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that that Mark Wade is is back at DC doing some stuff. The stuff that he's been writing, World's Finest and, and Superman, Batman. It's been so good. It's, it's it's been so enjoyable. Dan Moore's art is just phenomenal. It's just so amazing. I I love it so much. It's just so just like a oh, punching a gut. So good. I, I, I love that DC can see that and, and they're capitalizing it. Let, let, let's, let's center on, you know, let's, let's really use this, you know, this talent that we have. I don't know if there'll be spinoffs and stuff. I mean, if they're calling it an event, I'm assuming there's going to be other stuff related to it. Uh, probably based off of the premise. Amanda Waller, she's, she basically, she wants to steal or siphon all the meta human abilities. Man, Amanda, get off whatever you're you're on that you you are just so is it because you have no powers? Why are you so scared about people having superpowers? I, I get the idea of threats like, oh, they could take over the world, they could do, but have they? Have they ever tried? No. I mean, has Superman ever crossed the line? Not really, no. And it, you're instead of being concerned about the heroes, shouldn't you be concerned about the villains? The villains that you are using and unleashing upon the the world, what are doing crappy things? So instead of, of you know serving time, doing their time, whatever. Oh, we're, we'll we'll put a bomb in your neck. Go out and do all these these horrible things for us. And if you die, eh, you're expendable. Whatever. But if, if you do things. Well, is she ever going to let him out? You know, she'll cut the sentence or is it just, you know, a, a load of crap? She's just lying to him and using him. But apparently she's going to use like the fail safe technology, the Batman's thing and some Brainiac technology. I don't know if it has to do anything with uh, Lex Luthor's daughter. And so Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman have to team up. And it's just, oh, I'm so tired of Amanda Waller. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to. I, I guess they're going to be uh, rebooting some Elseworlds stuff, putting out more Elseworlds. That's cool. That, that um, But sometimes it gets to that point. And I, I know, you know, I, I talked about earlier about, you know, going back to the What If comics from Marvel, the original ones. But some of these things, I don't really need uh, all of, And I don't know if they're going back to like Batman by Go- Gotham by Gaslight or, you know, just doing some of the existing stuff and expanding or re- revisiting. I don't know. But I enjoyed the, the Deceased. I enjoyed the DC versus Vampire. I mean, those were really good. But part of it was because the creators involved. 
and you know it was you know Tom Taylor is an amazing writer and you know he made it work some of this stuff it could just be it's like I don't really need to see another but even okay saying with that giving Tom Taylor all the credit he deserves I wasn't super crazy about the DC Knights and part of it is my personal weird thing is because it was old timey stuff I don't really care about swords and sorcery dc characters it's a cool concept and i i thought it was cool what they're doing with the, the first few issues that i read but it's just not my thing so i don't need to see more vampire stuff more of this or that it's, it's one there's like other stuff to read I don't, I don't know but well i mean i'll obviously check it out but there's that and then uh the big big news and i think this is a, the last bit of news uh i think this is kind of cool dc is returning to the Wednesday uh, release dates. Because four years ago, DC started like, we're going to start releasing comics on Tuesday. Everyone else is releasing comics on Wednesday. I can only imagine a nightmare this must be for, for comic stores. I, you know, I, I don't know if I ever talked to anyone about that. Uh, I did, <laughs> unrelated, I did just discover there, there's, there's a, a, a comic store that I didn't realize that opened up uh, close to me. I have to check that out. I haven't been there yet. But so basically, I don't know if it was during COVID or whatever, when things just all got all messed up, DC is like, okay, whatever Diamond, and I've heard so many horror stories from Diamond, about Diamond, just, just the way they handled and shipped and, and just, just did things and delays and just cramming stuff in the boxes, not caring about conditions and putting like, making one box with just like a poster and then charging you for that delivery for that box and it's, it just seems like it's been so bad because Diamonds was, they were like the only game in town. You know, they're only the only comics distributor. And, you know, there had been other attempts. You know, Marvel tried doing their own thing, like in the, I forget when it was, I don't know if it was the 90s or, but it, that didn't quite work out. But then DC is like, well, we're going to do our own uh, shipping thing. We're going to work with these guys and uh, we're going to start just delivering them on Tuesdays or having them go on sale on Tuesdays. But, the, the nightmare for stores is, you know, I, I, I've seen, you know, a store I used to go to long ago, you know, this amazing store, and, uh, you know, she finally, you know, shut, shut down, just said, okay, I'm done, I'm retired, and um, I can't even imagine trying to run a store, it, it's just, it must be crazy. I, you know, when all the comics come out, you know, you, well, when just a whole ordering, like knowing how much to order, that's a nightmare, but I'm not even talking about that. But the whole, when you get your shipment in, it's like, okay, you have to retool the shelves. Depending on how the store works, you know, you you have your new release section. Some stores have like a dedicated new release. But then some stores just have it, okay, here's here's action comics, here's amazing Spider-Man. You know, they just have it alphabetical or, and then you can just put the new comics in the front or whatever. You know, however you want to do that. You're ordering all your comics, so you have to sort them. You have to count. Okay, I ordered, you know, 15 copies of this. Did I get all 15? Yes, they're all are they all in great shape. Okay, great, awesome. I ordered 22 copies of this one. Or do they have them? And and then it's like, wait, now I got to go through my pull list because I want my I want to have loyal customers. I want guaranteed sales in that. Okay, I have eight people want this. One, two, three, eight. Okay, set those aside. Then okay, I got I got 17 people want this book. Okay, here and then then you got to sort those out. And then it's like, okay, do this. Okay, Tuesday, the store is open. Go. And then it's like, okay, now the store is closed. It's, we got to get ready for Wednesday. Did I get on? It just seems like such a pain in the butt versus do it all in one day. And I, I know some stores would, would close. Okay, you, you get your comics on Monday. They ship on Monday. You can't sell them. You're not allowed to sell them. No street date on, on Monday. 
but you can close the store on Monday, go through all this stuff, have everything ready, or maybe not Monday, I guess it would be Tuesday. Close the store on Tuesday, do all this stuff, Wednesday morning, boom, 11 a.m., all right, go to it. So, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what else is happening. That's going to be... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know why I got so focused on that. Uh, new comics on Wednesday again. That's that's news for the week. With comic books, speaking of comics, at Image Comics, Skybound Comics, we had Cobra Commander number two. You know, uh, did I talk about Cobra Commander one? I, I don't remember if I did or not. I really don't know how I feel about this. So, this is part of you know the the re uh rebooted energon universe whatever they're they're calling it and <laughs> i really don't know how we feel about about the cobra commander comic you know i i feel like cobra is such a he's kind of an interesting character you know he's he's kind of a, a wiener at times you know, he's a little whiny you know whatever <laughs> and uh then you know when the movie came out the animated movie and then <laughs> You have, uh, you know, the Cobra la 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 la, Cobra la stuff. I'm like, what? And you got these like snake being as like, no, you can't do this. And, but then the first issue of Cobra Commander, they kind of, they bring, I, I'm like, are you serious? We're, we're, you're bringing in Cobra la into the, this, this new continuity. Uh, so I, and then he's like, oh, let's search for this Energon source. And, and I, I, I don't know. Because I'm I'm digging the Transformer comics, which, uh, was there a Transformer comic this week? I feel like there was, or maybe I just finally read issue, I think it was issue four or something like that. But, yeah, I, I'm looking at the list here. I don't think that came out this week. Maybe it was last week, I don't remember. Or maybe I'm just, like, really behind. I So I'm enjoying the Transformer reboot comic, that's cool. And then the G.I. Joe or Duke you know that that's been enjoyable to to see you know everything come together, but I don't know about this Cobra Commander stuff. I did also read a GI Joe Real American Hero three hundred four, so that is a Larry Hama, the long running comic that started at Marvel and was IDW and all that. I'm still so confused. I feel like I missed something. How the heck? There's not spoilers by now. How the heck is Snake Eyes talking? Because you know he was dead for a while, and maybe that's it. I, I'm I'm still not. 100% clear how he came back. He was apparently dead for the longest time. Now he's back. And I don't know if his face is still all scarred up or whatever. I don't think they've been showing it. But when he... I think it was like issue 300, 301 when it deal with the, the new Skybound reboot uh, or continuation where Snake Eyes and, and Scarlet were at the cabin and they get a baby wolf. And, and then... It's like he like says something. I'm like, wait, that that is supposed to be Snake Eyes, right? Uh, he, he, did he just say something? And now he's talking. I'm so confused. Uh, but as far as the story going, I don't know how we feel about the Serpenter, Doctor Mindbender, Cobra Island zombie stuff. <laughs> and then they're teaming up with the AI. It's it's, it's so weird. Um, but that's how it's supposed to be, I guess. Oh, uh, what else did we? Uh, Bone Orchard Tenement issue nine. I I don't know if I don't know if this is only ten issues, but this is this comic. This issue it started off with like uh some like origin stuff like long long ago. A lot of a lot of prose. There's a lot of a lot of text to read and, and all this stuff that 
was almost kind of like biblical in a way, like talking about like just different stuff. And, and then it, it cuts to like what's going on. You know, people are in this weird building, which just defies all laws of physics. And you know, I don't know. It's, it's still super creepy. And, uh, this is stuff I, I would, I kind of hope just like with Gideon Falls, I, I want to see this Jeff Lemire stuff. And I hope that it happens that it gets adapted properly, you know, at some streaming platform with the, with the budget. Cause I, I just, I would love to see these, these fleshed out further and, you know, just see what's, what's going on. Uh, midlife or how to be a hero 50, whatever issue five came out. So I'm just enjoying this. Is, uh, you know, Brian Buccellato is, is the writer here. And, uh, it's a, uh, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, we're finding more about uh, the, the, the dude. You know, he, he how does he have the, these, these fire powers? What's going on? Uh, Stefano, uh, Sim, Sim, Simon, Simon is the art. That's doing the art. I keep forgetting to mention the artist. And uh, you know, there, there's like this, this federal agent who's like after him because she knows stuff about these fire people, and you know, she's claiming, you know, she found out is his secret. So it's like, what do you do? You know, they have her like tied up in a motel room and trying to figure stuff out. But he just wants to be. He just wants to help people. He. It's not that he's seeking like the glory. He doesn't necessarily want to be a hero, but he has the. the he's in position. He can do stuff to help people, and so it's it's just it's it's kind of I I really I'm enjoying this. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was it. That's all I read at Image. At Marvel, we had Captain Marvel, issue five. Mm, I still, I, I'm kind of torn with, with this. So we have a Carol and this, this girl, I forget her name. Um, uh, Yuna, Yuna Yang where they're like tied, they're connected to the, the negabands now. So this is how uh, Janice, Val, that's just right, right, Val, and Rick Jones, they were connected for a while where only one could exist. They're like sharing a body sort of, and or like existence. And then when you tap the negabands together, the other person is like shunted to the negative zone, which sucks that you're trapped there. In a, so now Captain Marvel and Yuna are somehow tied in doing this. And then there's this, strangely overpowered villain called the Omen wants to power the Mega Bands and she has control over Janice and, you know, fighting them. And um, we, we get some nice moments where they end up, because they're, they're, they're working with uh, Carol and uh, Yuna. They, they go to Doctor Strange and Clea. So, you know, we have a good appearance by them to try to like, who is this fallen or this omen or whatever? And, you know, how can we stop them and stuff like that? So at one point then they get shunted somewhere safe, you know, they, they get away to get the, the bands away from the, so they end up going to Yuna's like mom's, her, 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 her family's house or apartment. And so there, there's, it's kind of cheesy in a way, but it's kind of also sweet just seeing like the interactions with, with, uh, you know, when they switch places, like, okay, now bring Carol here. And, you know, it's like, what's going on. And so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of like the character and everything like that. I just don't really like the tide. And and then there's just a thing that bothers me, the whole continuity thing is there's no Negabands mentioned in any other Carol's appearances. You know, because she was in uh, Spider-Woman uh, and also, like, in Avengers. So it's like, okay, what's going on? Then we have uh, Daredevil, issue six, and Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is busy. Doctor Strange is, like, like everywhere. So 
Um, one of the things that's this weird, you know, I, I dig these covers. I, I, I do have, I have a lot of respect for, uh, John Romita Jr.'s arts and, and, and there's just something about his designs and, and just, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a strong image and everything. And I know, you know, some people, they don't really like the style so much, but I, I can dig it. Uh, but the weird thing is Aaron Cooter is also an amazing artist. It's like, I don't know if he's doing any variant covers cause you know, I don't, I don't see all the, I don't think he is. Um, let's see. Actually, I'm looking at this one now. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not doing any of the covers. He's doing the interiors. So it just seems weird that I'd be like, um, "Can I do a cover?" <laughs> you know, I'm on this. I'm the actual artist, and also just lucratively, you know, he, he could do a cover, and it's good, it's going to sell for a lot more than interior pages. But I don't know. But we have, you know, Daredevil's still trying to figure out these demon things, like what's going on, why are people getting possessed, and all that. And Doctor Strange shows up, and it kind of has to do with Matt Murdock being dead and coming back, and and then he kind he kind of is like, wait, where did he get this white costume now? All of a sudden, is that magic stuff happening? So he has to fight this demon, and I don't know, but it's 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 I'm digging it. Uh, Edge of Spider Verse one weapon eight no, uh uh-uh. uh no. <laughs> Uh, no. And it's not the only story. There's other stuff in here. Now, the unfortunate thing is there is an Alex Segura story, which I, I like Alex. He's, he's a cool guy, and he's, he's a good writer. He does a Spider-Man 2099. I should have read that, but I, I didn't. Because uh, then there's Spider-Bite with a Y. I'm just I'm just so tired of, of Spider-Verse stuff. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Annual. I just have not enjoyed this this Guardians run. This is like the end of the whole Groot fall stuff. Thank goodness. I just it just it wasn't for me. If you enjoyed it, awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. I just didn't care for it, and um, I don't even know what's going. One and just one of the things that really irks me, you know, it, it talks about like a year ago this happened. You don't put real time into comics, comics. Uh, I hate that because now you're saying that it's they, since that started it, they've aged a year a, a year has passed in a Marvel universe no stop it you don't do that you're making the characters older unnecessarily we just you, you don't ask don't tell we don't need time frames you can say some time has passed months ago you don't have to say one year ago stop it I'm not gonna read. Well, it's it's over. Is that that's the end of our run? I don't I don't even know what's like. I kind of like. I don't even want Guardians of the Galaxy anymore. For just let it rest. Let them sit in limbo for a while. I enjoyed it. I can't remember really the last time. It, and nothing again. Nothing against the current creative team, but even like the past volumes, I just haven't. I don't know what I want. Um, and I don't. Speaking of not knowing what gods, uh, I just Jonathan Hickman, Valero, Shitty. I'm. I just don't know what to make of this. this this character, this these characters, and just what's going on. I I feel like this is something huge and important, but I don't know. Yeah, and I'm trying to. I the, the idea that there's this like hidden surface to the Marvel universe. I I find that fascinating and cool, but I'm just not digging it so much. I don't know. And but I think it might be ending. So I don't know if it's it's. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on. Then there's uh, Incredible Hulk issue nine. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to get into this current Hulk run, and at least away from that other Ghost Rider whatever thing. 
Hulk is still hanging out, or Banner's hanging out with that that girl. What's her name? Is it? I don't know. Why I have Charlie in my head. I don't think that's her name. And I, I'm okay with with, the, with that. You know, I, it's it's she has a, a tragic story and everything, so it's you know good for her to get away and you know all, all that. But it's just it kind of feels a little directionless. And and I know that that's probably the point is you know Banner just you know start trying to stay away and just wandering around. They end up in New Orleans. Which is kind of interesting, you know. I, I I think we don't see a whole lot of New Orleans stuff, and I know we've we've had some comics that have visited around there, but I I kind of like some of the ideas being introduced here and everything. And I I don't know how I feel about whatever this whole ongoing story with who's after Hulk and with Betty kind of showing up. Is it Betty? It's not. She's being used by. I, yeah, we'll see. Um, then there is Gang War Luke Cage, issue four. You know, here's my thing. What, what I'm thinking about this whole, all this Gang War stuff, because, you know, Luke Cage, he's mayor of New York, and one of the things that they're dealing with is the anti-vigilante law that Wilson Fisk, Kingpin, got passed when he was mayor by tacking onto some other bill or whatever, you know, sneaky... And, uh, you know, so they're trying to stop all this destruction and everything like that. And we've seen some parts where, you know, police officers like, like, Mayor Cage, you're not allowed to do this. You know, you have to back away. It's like he's threatening to to uh, arrest the mayor because he's doing something. You know, he has the ability to help save some people. But because there's an anti-vigilante law, he's not supposed to do anything. That's just kind of stupid. Or It's like... Okay, there's a, a this building just caught on fire. It's not it hasn't spread that that much. Fire department's on the way, but I can run in there and save that baby in a cradle. Oh no, you can't do that. You're not an actual firefighter. So you're you're taking matters and you're trying to save this person's life. You're being a vigilante. No, just let them die and wait till the fire department comes. You know something like that or or um Someone just robbed the shoe store. They're running down the street, and you can grab them and stop them. But no, you can't do that because you're being you're taking the law into your own hands and being vigilant. Is that what they're saying? That's just just ridiculous. So we, you know, we and 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 the thing that just bothers me, and I'm I'm trying to think about this. Um, I, the Avengers have done this a couple times. They did this with, with an Amazing Spider-Man, where. They're like, we need to go after Spider-Man because he's doing some bad things. They also, they did this with, oh, see, now I, I forget what the Avengers went after. Oh, then they're going to go after Daredevil. Daredevil and the Hand are doing all this stuff and we got to stop them. It's like, spend your time going after the actual villains who are killing people, who are robbing people, who are selling drugs to people. Instead, you're going after a hero who has been heroic time and time again. <sighs> Sounds like an off my mind episode. <laughs> um, so, oh, so my and I, I'm kind of tempted to go over this. Maybe I should talk about this. Is yeah, I, maybe maybe we'll, we'll do that. I, I think I might pause while I, I after I record this podcast, I might continue and just do an off my mind. For, um, just do it early, just to go over this stuff because. Yeah, and the whole thing with how Spider-Man is perceived also. He's taking a big role in this. So I'm, I'm going to delve more into that because I'm not talking about Spider-Man here. It's talking about Luke Cage. Um, so with Luke Cage, he's, you know, doing some stuff, trying to stop. 
Alistair Smith, Smythe of all people, the biggest like wiener in, in the Amazing Spider-Man villain gallery. <laughs> and and then there's like some cops there. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna arrest us now?" <laughs> it's like, and why is Alistair Smythe? He's not even involved with with Madame uh, Mask and uh, and whoever. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars Battle World number four. I didn't like this issue as much as the others, and this was fine. And part of it is like all of a sudden, like, wait, they're turning, they're kind of being forced. I still understand the whole thing. See, I think there are other watchers, and maybe I skimmed something and missed it. They kind of brought Spider Man out, they're kind of testing him, and now it feels like that it's more, they're not necessarily testing Spider Man, they're testing the symbiote suit and the fact that it's with Spider-Man and testing Spider-Man and, and stuff like that. But what I do love about this, I absolutely love the fact that they tie in these other characters who had action figures made from them in 1984 when Secret Wars came out that had nothing to do with the comics. Um, that they Here's why there are action figures for them. I think that is absolutely freaking-lutely brilliant. I love that. Um... And and they even kind of, they even show where this story fits in, like at the end, which which I, I super duper appreciate that. I, I think that that's that's just great. Oh, there's a pre- I didn't read this. President Predator: The Last Hunt. Ed Brisson. Ooh, I, I didn't didn't read that. Um, I tend to kind of yeah. I haven't been reading those lately, but we I, I should check that out. Uh, Fall of the House of X issue two. Um, yeah, it's just like okay, we need to stop Moira. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I really don't know where this is going to go. Because then Xavier's like, well, we just need to kill her. We need to find her in the timeline and whatever before she manifests her powers and kill her. But we can't tell other people that that's what we're going to do. And it's like, okay. Century issue three. You know, so Century somehow died. His power went all over the place. It's, um, people got blasted with it and they're sharing the powers and there's this one dude who's he basically wants all the power for himself type of thing, and he shows up to the Avengers and he's like, like, oh, I can help you. I'm a hero and stuff like that. And then they're like, well, dude, we don't even know who you are or you know what you're doing. You could have like called us first before you just show up and start doing all this. And then they're like, Wanda, what do you think? And she's like, gonna try. And he's like, don't use magic on me. You don't have my permission. And he just like goes off. They're like, okay, yeah, you are as unstable as Bob Reynolds was. And he just like flies off. And um, but yeah, he's just he's just a scumbag because he's killing the other people that have power so he can have it all for himself. It's like he wants to be a hero, but he's killing other people. It's like that's not very heroic. It's not very nice. Spider Boy issue four. This was fine. I'm I'm trying to remember. To, okay, so Spider Boy, he's he's like ten years old or something like that. He's a kid, and he he's he's a little whiny and doesn't really get how things work. He's a kid, you know. It, it's understandable, but part of it is you know he's like, oh, I'm gonna go out and do some stuff. Then he finds Spider-Man and Miles Morales team up. Then he's like, oh, you didn't call me. What's up? And Spider-Man's like, dude, it's late. You should be in bed. He's like, no, I can help you because there's these Vulturians or whatever. These four Vulture wannabe people. He's like, there's there's four of them, and it'll be three of us against them. It'll even the odds, and and they're like, no, just get out of here and everything. Then he's like, oh, but I'm supposed to be your sidekick, and you you you're with Miles, and he's just all whiny stuff like that, and he's also complaining to his friend at the feast 
there's a shelter that you know spider-man won't even trust him with web shooters it's like okay one they're not that cheap and two how are you gonna make web you know he's gonna make he can barely afford web fluid for himself now he's gonna make web fluid for you and he's just whiny and stuff like that and then his is a creator there's this other <sighs> spoiler it's other spider boy spider and then he's like no you can't harm that and it's just he's like i don't need you guys and he's okay it's kids star wars <laughs> but otherwise that it's 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 um interesting there's a little development it's like what okay uh star wars 43 so luke is in the red uh kyber crystal he's trying to heal it and uh you know there's um no there's a little development here with uh the, the kyber crystal so we'll just say that and it's it's also you know luke while he's in this crystal and then the evil sith spirit in there is talking about like facing your past and doing stuff like that and he's like it's like no he's like you know there's ways around it and he's like sees like the the guy in there and he's like trying to help him he's like no don't make me weak and he's like healing from your your past your wounds is not doesn't make you weak and stuff like that so it's interesting spider-woman gang war issue four okay so spoiler if you haven't been reading this because i think this i don't know if this actually no i um i think thank goodness there is yeah there's gonna be an issue five after the gang war so i was like worried that this was just gonna be a gang war series and then that was gonna be it so we're gonna get more spider-woman so in the one spider-man comic one of the spider-verse tie-in things uh jessica drew was erased from the web of life and she's because she was erased everyone forgot her but then she was brought back but then it's like well what happened with her kid type of thing and so she's back and her, her kid's gone and no one really remembers her kid but then she finds like a rattle or some hair you know that she first haircut or something like that so she's trying to figure out what happened to her kid then she figures like hydra must have taken her kids and then she's fighting this uh, villain lame villain who kind of has similar power so she's like they're probably using his dna to fight me and then even before it happened and i'm just like okay you know where this is coming you or you where you know where this is going so spoiler huge spoiler not really but because you see it coming the villain i forget if it was black mamba or whoever the villain was is her son aged and then he's like, oh, blah, blah, you abandoned me. And because and, the way he was aged, it's kind of like real time for him. So he's got this grudge. But it's 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 like sitcom, have a baby, and then they're an adult. They're like a, a teenager in the next episode. A sassy teenager, sassy toddler. <sighs> uh, so I, I, I just hope they figure out some way to, you know, bring her kid back. Because it's just... I that's what I feel about whenever you age someone ultimate spider-man issue two I'm really really enjoying this series um this might be um this might be like my favorite comic at Marvel right now I would have to say I feel like just doing such a good job it's just so it feels so fresh I and and maybe it's the fact that spider-man is Peter's married he's has kids and he's still able to do this you know he's just got his powers he's trying to figure things out do we have uncle ben is alive spoiler i i just <laughs> i don't think it's spoiler i just i'm, I'm really enjoying this it's they're they're it's different 
it's Spider-Man, but it's different. It has all the right elements, but it's also different, so different that it's not just, here's just another version. Here's just another rehash. And that's how I kind of was a little worried about the original Ultimate Spider-Man. It's like, okay, do we really need to revisit, you know, Teenage Spider-Man again? Because, you know... Uh, you know, and it was good. You know, the, the Bendis and, and and Bagley. You know, I, I I love that. But I was worried here. It's like, okay, we're just gonna get more of the same. But then we we're like, wait, he's married. This is okay. And so I I just I love that that we're able to get this. This is um, it's it's like the best of both worlds because you know we'll have regular Amazing Spider-Man and we can have Ultimate Spider-Man, which is just totally different. So I I'm I I hope this just keeps going and going for for a bit. And then we have X-Force 49. Uh, yeah, so you see on the cover, so it's like, wait, Beast and, and Wonder Man, what, what, is, what is going on here? Uh, so because Evil Beast ugh, is, is out there, the a Sage is like, well, I have a backup that we can bring Beast back. And they bring a, a younger version of Beast. And they're like, okay, maybe we can use him to figure out what is Beast thinking, you know, what's going on in his mind. So this younger a cerebral copy that they had was it's like before he was bad. So that's why you see him with Wonder Man. And so this it's like this more pure, jovial beast. But then he realizes, you know, because he knows that they want to kill this dark beast. And so it's like he had manages to escape and he wants to save him. But it's like, well, what do you do? So now Sage and Wolverine and, and them, they're like, we have two beasts running around. We made a mistake. So they're like, well, you know, it's just a copy. We just made him. So um, should we just destroy him? Which destroy the stupid, stupid evil one and keep fun unmutated beast <sighs> we'll see at dc comics we have batman 144 joker year one <sighs> i'm just, i know some people are digging this it's it's just not for me i'm just so tired of joker too much joker it's just it's feel like it's been non-stop joker for like the past five years it's it's it used to be like we'd get joker maybe once a year now it's just all the time and i've already said so many times how i hate the fact that Joker is like Brucey, blah, 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 Bruce, Bruce. It's like no, Joker doesn't need to know, doesn't care about his identity. It's another off of mind topic. Uh, and then we're getting this year one stuff, which is okay, fine. I I, I don't think it's necessary, and it's just it, the, the, this comic's also kind of taking place over three time periods, and I don't really know what's going on. Sometimes I'm like, wait, what? What does this mean? And I, I, I don't know. It's just, it, I, and I, is it touching on like, uh, Jeff John's three Joker stuff? I, I just, uh, I don't know. Batman, Superman world's finest. This was, uh, I'm trying to think what, what this one was, it was about. This is a kingdom come stuff. It was, I mean, it was, it was fine. It was good. Cause it, it touches on a lot of that stuff. And, um, you know, just with this kid, David, and uh yeah with gog and magog and it's kind of kind of interesting you know just seeing stuff that we know and seeing how it's it's playing out so yeah it's it's good and nightwing issue 111 this this was a, this was a really good issue I, mean, I it sucks you know they just announced that tom taylor's run is coming to an end you know it it's, it had to happen sooner or later 
but this has just been so good. And there's this kid who, who's a, his dad gets killed and it's like, okay, it looks like heartless is back and he's in Gotham now. So Batman calls Nightwing over and it's just a, you know, we get some flashbacks with like when Dick was first, you know, when he first came to live with, with Bruce and we, you know, the fact that Alfred is there and it's just like, this is why it is such an incredible waste that Alfred is dead. It's so stupid that Alfred is dead. Uh, and, but just like the way Bruce kind of acknowledges that Dick is better at, at handling some things, you know, than he is. So when this kid, you know, loses his dad, he's like, maybe, you know, you know, Nightwing should take the lead. And, and, uh, then there's, there's a little bit of a twist. So, um, there's some interesting stuff there. Wonder Woman issue six. Oh my God. I'm so, it's so stupid, this whole vendetta against the Amazons and, and Wonder Woman. And I know that's the whole point. It's just how absurd it is. But this Sergeant Steel dude, he's like, I'm going to get all these villains together to attack her. They attack her. You know, they they, they know when she's going to go talk to Steve. And he's, I think he was even under like Dr. Psycho's influence or whatever to draw her there as bait. And then Giganta is buried underneath the ground. And I think they use some like Cersei magic to make this happen. So she busts through. They start fighting, smashing her alongside the Washington. Basically, the Washington Monument gets destroyed eventually, which is like, okay, you're, you have, you could care less about this historic thing that's stood there for hundreds, whatever. And just to just try to stop Wonder Woman because you have this vendetta. You can't, you can't put a stop to her. And it's just, and, and it's, it's just a big, incredible fight. And then that's not enough. Let's bring out Grail to, to fight. And it's so if you want to see Wonder Woman kicking butt and get go getting pushed to the limits, you know there there's that. But oh man, uh, Titans number eight. Amanda Waller is trying to make the Titans be bad guys because she, she's just evil. And uh, evil Raven ha- has taken over Raven's body. The Titans don't know that. And her dad's like, why aren't you killing them? Why are you... And she... Basically, she's kind of toying with them. And then she's going to get her revenge against them or whatever. Uh, Superman 11. This is dealing with uh, the Lex Luthor revenge squad and that. And we find out more about Luthor's daughter and what was Luthor's original plan, you know, and stuff like that. And um, why do they hate Lex Luthor so much and... Um, it, it's some interesting stuff here. Justice League uh, versus Godzilla versus Kong. Um, this is enjoyable to seeing how, how things are playing out. And just the fact, I, I love that this is like not the actual DC universe. It, you know, if things can stand on their own here. So it gives you more of a sense of like anything goes. And just you know, just trying to make sense of like, okay, what is Godzilla's deal? And then uh, Mercy Graves, she's like, well... I got some information about Godzilla. He's actually like the king of the monsters and trying to keep them in check. And uh, when he's on, on, when he came to the earth, he's, I think he's trying to do the same thing with, that's why he attacked Superman because he's sensing this power and has to keep him in check to keep things balanced or whatever. And cause she, so she got the Monarch files. They mentioned Monarch. She got the files from that earth and blah, 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 you know, through different means and it's, it's interesting, and we're seeing Gorilla Grodd trying to work with King Kong or control him or whatever. And it, it's it's just, it's fun. 
Um, there's a John Constantine, Dead in America. I didn't read that. It's issue two. I didn't read the first one. Green Lantern War Journal. Um, I didn't read this. I, I No, I haven't been reading. I can't, I kind of flipped through this. And uh, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's not quite working for me. Um, Catwoman 62. I just haven't read the last few issues. Uh, and the cover, neck and neck with Amanda Waller. No, thank you. I don't want. I don't know who, who what I, I want less of Joker or Amanda Waller. Probably Amanda Waller. But yeah, so um, that is it for DC. That's all I read. So uh, that's gonna be comics for the week. Let's move on. Okay, with Mister and Mrs. Smith. Uh, so we'll we'll do a, a couple more episodes. So we're at season five or season five, season five, <laughs> season one, episode five. Do you want kids? And I, I don't know much about this show with the background, you know, again, because I, you know, I haven't watched any interviews or read any articles or anything like that. But one of the things that I find interesting is uh, some of the, the like guest stars, you know, some of the supporting people. And uh, so it, it's it's kind of neat to, to see that, like who like because I'm assuming these people just want to be involved with the show. So they must be like, like, yeah, I want to do this. Give me a role. And they do the little guest appearance, whatever. So episode five and and you remember the fourth episode was where they met that other john and jane couple which i i, I thought there'd be more about that but there there's nothing so far because I, I thought it's like i still don't, don't trust him but with episode five we see some dude his name's toby uh he's uh it's ron perlman which you know that that's he so he's the guest star of, of the week or the episode not the week he you know pours his drink he has like five lines of coke you know sitting out he he starts like sniffing and then two people come in they're like wearing masks and they put like a bag over his head like zip tie it shut zip tie his hand and then one guy um, the closed caption says John but I'm like is this a different John because like who is this puts a gun to his 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 head and then Jane's like hi hi. So it's our John and Jane. So Jane is actually narrating, reading the mission. So she's not really saying this now. Because I was like, why would she say hi, hi to to Toby, to Ron Perlman? So she's like, hi, hi. Travel to Lake Como, Italy. Secure high-value target Toby Hellinger. So it's Ron Perlman again. So in the room, they're trying to get him to calm down because he thinks they're there to kill him. Uh, then they take their masks off, but Toby's, you know, got a bag over his head. They tell him that, you know, they're moving, you know, and again, we see that his hands are zip tied. He's all tied up. So they're, they're leaving. Back to Jane reading the mission. Transport to designated safe house. Await further instructions. Thanks. So Toby's yelling at them. He's like, if you're going to kill me, just do it right here. They, you know, they're putting him in like back of like a, you know, SCV or whatever. And uh, actually, I don't think it was an SCV. Was it SCV? I don't remember. And, you know, Jane promises that they're not going to hurt him. Uh, you know, she's you know trying to get the seatbelt. She can't get it moving. She's like, oh, I'll just do this later. So I'm like, is that going to be a problem that, you know, he's not seatbelted or whatever? So then John and Jane are just casually talking. They're like holding hands while they're driving with Toby in the back. And John mentions how beautiful it is there. He says that, uh, or she's like, you always say that. And, you know, she's like, you said it in Sydney. So like, when were they in Sydney? So we, we must be, they must be going on missions that, we don't see, which is interesting. Because um, it's, it's you know, where stuff is happening in between episodes. He says that, you know, he's like, this place feels like it could be the one. And Toby's like, hello, someone please tell me where we're going. 
and Jane just says someplace safe. And John says that, you know, why doesn't he just rest his eyes? And he's like, why? He's like, I can't see poop with this hood. And he's like, if you're supposed to help me, he's like, you can't you take the hood off. <clears throat> then he starts like cursing. He's like, take off the mother trucking hood. And then, then he's like, says nothing. Then he starts like reaching to like open a door and Jane tells him to stop. He curses some more. And then John calm, calmly says like, child locks her on. <laughs> And then he, he, Toby starts saying, oh, my, I got, my, God, I, I recently, I re recently had a heart attack. And John calmly is like, nope, don't buy it. And Toby's like, I think it might be, uh, he's like groaning. I think it might be having another one more groaning. And Jane's like, we need to keep him alive. And then, so she cuts off the, the zip tie in his mask, takes off the bag. Of course he can breathe normally. Jane's like, wow, looks like your breathing is fine now. And then he looks out, out the window at where they're going. And, and that kind of settles it for, for a bit. They arrive at this little like farmhouse in the mountains. And he's like, this is where we're staying? He's like, how long we're we staying? And then Jane sees a dude in like black kind of jump out from behind him like in a mirror. And she yells at Toby. She's like, get down. She shoots through the windows. There's another guy on top of the, the little house. Starts shooting at them. More people come out from inside. And John like, you know, backs up and drives away. So then she's like, Toby, who were those guys? Why were they after you? He's like, hard to say. And then, you know, we see two cars are following them. Of course, there's a Range Rover. It's like, what's with all the Range Rovers? I don't know if they're a sponsor or if it's like some evil organization that they, that's, all, you know, what, what they, they go for. They have to, she annoyingly keep telling Toby, like, keep your head down. Keep, and he keeps like going, it's like they're shooting. The back window has been shot out and you keep sticking your head up. It's just so, so annoying. So John says that, you know, they have to get off the, off the mountain. So they reach this little village town. You know, John manages to lose them by turning down the street as they drive by. Then there's, like, this crowd of people in the street. And, you know, John's, like, speaking Italian, trying to get them to move move out of the way. Then finally, um, Jane just shoots a couple times the air because, you know, that's what she, it's like her go-to thing. They start scrambling. Uh, you know, the, the wedding couple, they, they take off or whatever. Uh, did, I, did I mention there's a couple getting married, I think? Then, uh, the, I don't know if it was a gunshots or whatever, but then the Range Rover comes at them head on, hits them. Jane manages to shoot a guy sticking out the passenger window. John backs up as a you know driver gets out to shoot at them. And Jane like yells, stop, because there's another Range Rover. Bam, hits them from behind. Dudes get out, start shooting. Toby seems awfully calm now in the backseat. He's just like sitting there. And then John, you know, gets out, gets him. It's like, it's like, because they need him alive. He's like, come on. They they cut his zip ties on his hands. He shoots a couple times, and you know, he's like, out now. So they they get him out out of, out of the car. They go down some stairs. Surprisingly, the shooters aren't right right on their tail because you know. So this is Italy. Stairs everywhere throughout the, the city because you know on the side of the mountain and, and all that. But Toby's complaining that it's killing his knees. Finally, the shooters catch up. And they're all horrible shots. It's like no one is, is getting hit. John leads them over this little like stone bridge. And Jane's like, uh, we're going to be exposed. He's like, oh, I have a plan. They go there, you know, people shooting. No one, no one shoots them. Um, even there's like some shooters on a motorcycle following them, but no one's catching up. Uh, you know, so they're on this bridge. No one hit, shoots them. Then she's like, what's the plan? And then, then Jane's like, run. They manage to like duck and hide for, um, from the, the shooter on the motorcycle. Then they stop. Jane asks John, she's like, do you have a plan? And he's like, we have to get to the water. And But Toby's tired. He doesn't want to go anywhere. They keep going. And Toby yells, wait. Because he's like, I can't catch my breath. So John tries telling him, you know, tries helping him, you know, okay, breathe, you know, in and out, and all like that. More gunfire. 
Uh, then a couple cops come up to him, and Jane Train saying, "It's like no, 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 CIA, CIA." But then, two poor cops get shot from from the side. They take them out. They kick the door open. Buster's house scares the family. They go out to the balcony. They have to like jump, uh, you know, climb over the balcony to this little roof, and then jump down into this alley. And Toby's like, "I can't do it." So finally, John pushes him. He like lands. You know, it's like just like even a, a not even a story, whatever. And they they get to the boat. Oh, when he, he pushed him, Toby peed his pants, which is, it sucks. And so they, they get to the, the boat. Jane says that Toby's her father. And then she, she says, that, she's like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm scared. And then John, like, you know, takes out some money, offers him to, you know, to, to get them across the lake. Uh, just as they're going in, in the boat, uh, a police boat goes the opposite way. Toby's just like ducked down. So they get across. They walk up to this house. And Jane's like, whose house is this? John goes up to like the starts entering like a security code, and she's like, "How do you know it's a security code?" And but he doesn't answer, and and then she says she's feeling a little sick, you know, maybe it's from the boat. Then she's like, "How did you know the code?" As as they walk in, he's like, "I know the code because this is our house." And she's like, "What do you mean, ours?" He's like, "I bought it. I I got us a house." He says that um, he got it for steel. You know, the guy left everything, and he's like, "Looks better than the pictures." And she, she's like, can I talk to you for a second? You know, so they go in the other room. She's like, so you purchased this property sight unseen? He's like, I, I went to the market. There was this cute little real estate place. I saw the pictures and I just pulled the trigger. I thought it was a romantic gesture. She's like, you don't like the place? She's like, I, I like the place. You bought a house without talking to me about it first? That's a big decision. He's like, well, it was a surprise. I wasn't going to tell and then Toby's like, well, it's none of my business, but you really got to be careful when buying a property in a foreign country. You know, as somebody who has a lot of money, you just have to be careful how you spend it. And Jane's like, uh, that's what I say all the time. And John's like, thanks, Toby. And he's like, we're taking financial advice from this guy. She's like, I'm not wanting to fight with you about it. I just want you to see this. It's kind of a big deal that you would make. And then they <laughs> they both yell at Toby, don't touch that. Because John, John's like, it's dynamite, dummy. So then he just like let's go drops it, and they're like, he just dropped the dynamite. You know, he just let it drop. So they're like, you know, just flabbergasted. So then uh, Jane texts the hi hi. Safe house was compromised. We had to relocate. John's like just like walking around the back looking. Then Jane gets a reply right away. Stand by for transport instruction. She replies back. Copy. Then she gets a, a text, which is weird. It's like Jane, do you have a moment to chat? And she's like looks at it, she's like that's weird she's like of course should i grab john and then the replies like no that's okay jane are you happy and then she's like she types with work and the replies with everything so she replies back yes i am john's a great partner they were they say good we see you advancing keep toby alive until morning he is very important to the company she's like copy and then it says Keep up the good work, Jane. So it's like, what is that all about? Because, um, you know, John got him this safe house. It was John's driving that got them away from the others. So she tries uh, finding clothes for Toby. And, like, the one he's like, oh, that's too scratchy. And she's like, well, how about a T-shirt? So he, he puts that on. Then he tells her that, you know, when she held a gun to him at back at the farm, which I don't remember that, that he thought that she was an angel come to put him out of his misery. And then he sees John by the water and she's like, you know, you should probably stay away from the window. He's like, your partner doesn't seem to like me. 
and she's like, you don't need him to like you. You just need him to protect you. He's like, yeah, well, you're nicer than he is. And Jane's like, he's actually very nice. I mean, he's even like nice to telemarketers. He's like, well, I've done some nasty fudged up poop in my life, but I've never thrown an old man off a building. It wasn't even that big of a building, you know, whatever. Then she's like, what kind of poop have you done? And he's like, nah, you wouldn't like me anymore if I told you. And she's like, well, who says I like you? And he's like, oh, you like me a little bit. And she's like, well, maybe I'm just good at my job. Then he starts complaining about his stomach hurting. So she's like, okay, I'm going to find you some medicine. So he's lying on the couch and he's refusing to take his medicine, like some, some little thing, whatever. He's like a little kid. And then John's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, Toby, take the medicine and I'll give you a cigarette. So he takes it with a grimace. Then John starts to walk in the room. He's like, hey. And John's like, I'll give it to you after dinner, you know, after they eat. And he's like, whoa. So while they're eating, Toby wonders if they know where they are, um, if the other people know, you know, where, where they're at. And John's like, no, if they did, they would be here by now. And Jane's like, who's they? And Toby's like, hard to say. Could be Russians. Could be the Saudis. You maybe he's like small chance it could be the Brits, and she's like, "Are you some kind of evil colonizer?" And John's like, "Let's just eat our meal." And she's like, "Uh, uh-uh. let let's say on a scale of Mark Zuckerberg to Hitler, how evil are you?" He's like, "I mean, I, I'm not I'm not Hitler evil, who happens to be alive, by the way." And she's like, "No, he's not." And John's like, "Nope." So as he starts telling a story about being down in Argentina at a bar with some friends, and John's like, "What are we doing right now?" And she's like, let him finish. So Toby says, you know, across the room is this guy. He's like, I just can't take my eyes off him. He's got a little Charlie Chaplin beard, you know, with the hair. And then he tells his friends that he has to check it out. He walks up to him. He's like, excuse me. And he apologizes. He says he's been staring. He has to ask. And in German accent, no, you don't need to ask. I'm telling you, you're right. I am who you think I am. And this is my wife, Eva. And we are down here reorganizing. We are going to be bigger than ever. This time, we're going to kill 12 million Jews and six acrobats. So then Toby's like, why six acrobats? And Hitler's like, Eva, see? I told you, nobody cares about the Jews. Jane kind of chuckles a bit. John just kind of shakes his head. I I think he might have kind of appreciated the joke. Or just it was so bad, it was so dumb. So then it's nighttime, Toby's bored because, you know, he did, I think he did a crossword puzzle. He asks for cigarettes and John's like, you're not good for you. And then he's like, well, I don't care. Whatever. And he's like, you can't smoke in the house. He's like, I'll go outside. He's like, you, you can't go outside. And Toby's like, well, I'll open a window. He's like, you can't go by the windows. He's like, just give me my GD cigarettes. And John like calmly says, he's like, we don't have any. He's like, you told me that you had some. And he, so he said that he did that. So he would take his medicine and stop whining and it worked. So then he like swipes the you know books off the table and John's like hey, then he like, kicks back a chair. John pulls out his gun and Toby like walk, walks right up to it. So the gun's like right on his chest, and you know he tells him he's like shoot me. And Jane's like she yells for him to stop. And then Toby like starts crying a little bit. And he's like I'm going to bed. He's like this place sucks. <laughs> so he goes upstairs. John's like what? And Jane's like that you know he he's a lot nicer than this. You know, it's something that she happens to look up to. And then he's like, well, I'll go check on him. So Jane's sitting outside, like on a patio. She gets a text. Says, take a boat. Seaplane will pick up upon arrival. So then the coordinates are given, like in the middle of a lake, it shows. Jane's like, should I message when we leave? How will you know when we get there? And the reply is, we will know. After the next one is like, have you found this mission challenging? 
And she replies that, you know, it hasn't been the easiest, but that's to be expected. They ask, and John? She's like, sometimes John and I handle things differently, but we're making do. And they're like, yes, John is your partner. So it's like, what is that all about? They sit outside while Toby's asleep. John says that he did get one thing, good thing out of him. Takes out a cigarette. So he, he I don't know where he found that from. He bring, brings up, up the, you know, the couple getting married in town. You know, he's like, I hope we didn't ruin their, their marriage or their lives. And then he asks if he thinks that she'll ever do it, have a ceremony. And she's like, vows make me uncomfortable. He's like, I thought about that too. And I, I think it's because they're in public. And she's like, like, you know, or he says, you know, there's an audience. And she's like, yeah, it's like a show. So she says um, she would like vows if they were private, you know, just two people, because then it'd, it'd feel real. And he asks, you know, what would their vows be? So she, she kind of laughs. You know, she could vow not to judge him for how, how often he talks to his mother. And she wants him to vow that he would take allergy medicine for Max. And John's like, even when Max dies? She's like, Max is never going to die. And he says he vows never to make her think she's delusional for not thinking that her cat's never going to die or for thinking her cat's never going to die. And he's like, and I vow to never kill you. And she looks at him. She's like, I can't tell if you're joking. He just like takes a drink. She's like, I like that. And she's, they start making out. They're going at it. Things are getting, starting to get heavy. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I want to put a baby in you. And then she's like, she like stops abruptly. And he's like, I'm sorry. Was, was that creepy? Then Toby knocks on the patty door. like, Whoa! you know, they, they didn't get that far or whatever. And um, he says that he's like, it's like, what is up with Toby? He's like, I think I threw up. <laughs> so um, she's going to go. She's like, I'll go. And then, then you can hear Toby like groaning somewhere. I don't know if he threw up again or whatever. In the morning, they wake him up. He's on the couch you know, for breakfast. Jane's in the kitchen. Then she, she, sees, she sees a couple guys creeping up in masks because there's like a mirror sitting there. So she tells him, we need to go. Now, more dudes are like rappling down the cliffside next to the cabin. They So they sneak out through a back window. There's at least like six guys coming up. Um, but they left the stovetop on. So it's like if, if they come inside, they're going to know that they were just there. They head to the dock. And then um, there's, because there's like a boat there under a tarp. John's like starts untying the, the boat. And then the stove explodes. And push, like kind of knocks them down, knocks people back. So... How how the house blow up? Obviously, you can f- probably figure it out. They just kind of stand there instead of moving. They get in the boat. So then John's like, as he's driving the boat, they're going away. He's like, you blew up my cottage, and she's like, don't you mean our cottage? And she says that you know she popped a dynamite stick in the stove or something like that. So boats sit, um, sitting, they're just sitting there in the, in the middle of the lake, the river, whatever this is. The plane comes. Toby's like, is that for me? And he's as as the boat's coming in closer to the land on the water, he's like, I want to tell you what it is I did. He's like, I want to confess. And John's like, we don't need to know that. And so I guess he doesn't ever. T- we'd never find out what what. Which I don't know if that's a cop out. It's like, okay, who is this evil Toby guy? What has he done? Or is it just like, is it a smart not to tell us? So it, it leaves us, you know, our work in our imagination or whatever. Or, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's just easy. Like, yeah, we don't have to come up with the horrible things he did. We'll just not not mention it. 
So then I, I, there's somewhere it's like, are they at a fancy hotel room? It turns out they're like at some chateau or so, somewhere else. John, um, or Jane's writing up the mission report. She, you know, she's typing it up and, you know, but she does mention that John acquired another safe house when the first was compromised. So that's good. Cause I worry it's like, is she going to take all the credit? So John comes in, opens a bottle and asks if she wants some wine. And she's like, no, you know, she's not feeling good. Then he pauses and he, you know, closes, puts a cork back in the bottle. And he's like, are you pregnant? And she's like, what? So he repeats, he's like, are you pregnant? And she's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, are you sure? And she's like, why, why are you asking? And he's like, well, you didn't want any wine. Uh, you told the family you were pregnant. You, you know, you felt sick on a boat and, you know, she was being really maternal with Toby. And he's, she's like, no, you just misread it. And, and she's like, I'm not. And he's like, well, you know, it would have been nice, you know, thinking about it for a moment. She says that you know she doesn't think it'd be a good idea if she was pregnant right now. And he's like, okay, why? And she's like, do you need to have a reason? He's like, you kind of do, yeah. She's like, John, you want to bring kids into this life after the day we had today? He's like, we're not the first people that raise kids in a dangerous situation. And she's like, I know. He's like, it's called Detroit. She's like, we are literally spies that are getting shot at. You know, we are not in a place to have kids. And then he's like, we'll do low risk. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll do low risk. Like we'll deliver packages. We'll, we'll stack our money, do, you know, doing this. And then she's like, seriously, she's like, you want to be a mailman and, and have kids and, and that, that you would be happy with that. Cause I, I don't think I would be happy with that. That's not what I signed up for. It's like, I don't want to, you know, go down. I want to keep going up. I thought, you know, we could have higher risk eventually, eventually. And he's like, well, what about family? Or what are we? She's like, I didn't think you were that simple-minded and traditional. He's like, don't call me stupid. Just she's like, I didn't call you stupid. He's like, I know what you're saying. Well, it's like, you call someone simple-minded, you're calling them stupid. <laughs> then there's a knock at the door. So then that's where we see, okay, they're not in a hotel room or whatever. It's like they must have rented someplace. So, you know, they open the door. John has his guns out. There's a package. They're waiting. So he brings it in. Um, he's like, it's from Hi-Hi. Opens it up. There's a bottle. He's... And like clicks his tongue, whatever. He's like, the note, he reads note, well done, Jane. And he holds it up. And she's like, it's probably just a typo. He's like, typo? You really think I, I'm stupid? Like, how did you log the mission? And she's like, I typed exactly what happened. He's like, so you type, blew up John's cottage, saved the day again, John drove some. And she's like, okay, so you're mad at me that I saved the day? He's like, how did she save the day? I don't, I don't understand that. He's like, no, I'm mad that you take all the credit every time. She's like, you stop saying that. I, I take, she's like, I didn't take the credit. You, and he's like, you know, I'm going to take a shower. Do you need to use it before I do? She's like, no. So later she sits at the patio. She's drinking. She goes back to the mission log. She types, am I expected to have a child? Immediate reply types up. Do you feel you're expected to have a child? And she says like, you know, John wants me to. And then the reply is like, I think what you expect of yourself is most important, Jane. And she's like, I appreciate that. And then the reply is, we think you're ready to go up a level. Would you like to replace your John? And she like thinks and thinks and it's the end, end of the episode. I just don't understand. It seems like John does more. I don't know. He, he does more thinking, but I don't know. Okay, then season one, episode six, Couple therapy, parenthesis, naked and afraid. 
So they're at couples therapy. Um, the therapist is Sarah Paulson. And she's like, well, so what brings you to therapy? At first, I'm like, is this like a, an official therapist? I, I, th- I guess it's just a, a regular therapist. So John's like, lately, me and Jane have not been aligned on just some things. She's like, I think John's under impression that our boss favors me. So it's like, she's basically lying. She obviously, they, they do. He's like, well, he does. And she's like, he doesn't really. And he's like, I mean, well, he, he wanted you to replace me. He asked you if to, to replace me. So she clearly told him, which is good. But again, this episode doesn't pick up right after the last one. So they, they must have had a, tack, a talk, but we didn't see that. And so she's like, you know, yes, they asked you to replace me. And she's like, to which I, I said, absolutely not, you know? she's like, I said, John is a great partner, which is true. Um, I just, I said, I don't want to move up unless I'm with him. The therapist's like, so you two work together? And what is it that you two do? So John's like, we're uh, computer software engineers. And she's like, so where else are you feeling misaligned? And John's like, um, on kid stuff? She's like, well, that's a very big subject. Jane's like, John says that he wants to have them and, you know, she doesn't. So then the therapist's like, well, what are your reservations, Jane? She says that I feel, I just feel like in the line of work that we do, it doesn't feel responsible. And the therapist's like, as software engineers? And she's like, it's, uh, it's stressful, you know? And John goes along with it, like, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, he goes with the stress. So the therapist says, she's like, oh, I didn't realize that it's, you know, such a you know, high stress job. Then she's like, well, how's it? you know, how is it working and living together? And John's like, well, it's, you know, it's, it can be tricky. And Jane's like, she's a little offended. She's like, really? It's like, how is it tricky? And he's like, well, you know, I feel that your default is to be controlling. And she's like, uh, that's really interesting. I don't agree. I think that feels a little unfair. I just think that's a little unfair. And John's like, I, I, that's just how I feel. And she's like, and I feel that it's, that's unfair to say. So the therapist asked for an example to contextualize it. And he says that he thinks like what they did the other weekend. So we get this uh, flashback. They're on a rooftop. They're looking at, you know, the building down. And, you know, John says, looks like there's three inside, one armed. So he wants to take the lead on this one. And Jane like kind of questions that. She's like, are you sure you can handle it? He's like, yeah, you know, got to show my stuff for high high. You know, if I have problems, you'll hear me say, I have to use a bathroom. And she's like, that's a horrible idea. She's like, what if you actually have to use a bathroom? And he's like, I won't. It's a half hour job tops. So then the therapist, she's like, you know, was this work related or were they friends of his? Jane says that they were clients. That they were trying to court them. So then the therapist's like, did you, you know, did they sign them? So back to the flashback. He's playing cards with them somehow. So I was like, wait, how did he get, work his way in there? So we, we didn't see that. So he's playing cards with him. And then um, one of the guys, there's three guys around the table with, with John. They're like, what'd you say? Or, you know, what, what is his name again? Then he's like, I didn't know Leif, Leif had a, a, any cousins in New York. So L-I-F. I was like, what kind of name is that? And then we, we find out. And then John's like, he don't talk about family? And the other guy's like, like, nah. Then he's like, yeah, that's Khalif. So he makes some more conversation with them. And then, like, one guy talks about, like, peanut butter and pretzels. And, you know, because guys like, don't eat those. Those are, like, you know, been near years. And he, they just start talking about branding. And John says, like, like, you know, cops have good branding. You know, they come at you, and a black man knows what's coming. 
and he's like black folk need better branding so you know he's trying to bond with them because they're all black you know they, they say the cops usually do a good job you know when they do slip up it's like big but then they make you <laughs> they make you forget about it re- real fast you know they, they talk about like them doing like tiktok dance at the crime scene and stuff like that they're like moving around john Dunn's does like you know a little, little thing and they're all like laughing jane's like listening to all this and she complains you know over the cops like this is taking forever and so this this episode, oh my gosh, it's like, are they trying to make us not like Jane? Because the whole whole thing, well, we'll, we'll get to it. Let me let me save this for, for for the end. So in therapy, John's like, no, you just don't like what I that I was doing it well without you. That's the problem. The therapist's like, and you feel this bothers Jane? He's like, I know it does. I mean, if we're being honest, I was bonding with black people, and she's like, oh my god you know, under her breath. And he's like, and it's something that she can't do as well. So I had access in a way that she will never have. And it bothered her. And Jane's like, you, you were in there with these guys. They were just talking about different kinds of girls and, and like submissive girls. I mean, he's like, no. And she's like, what you're bonding over was being sexist. You know, that's what it was. And the, the therapist is like, how so, you know, say more about that. And John's like, no, we are talking about Maya. So in a flashback, one guy says, like, oh, yeah, back in the day, I was obsessed with Maya. John goes along with his, it's like, yeah, I would run home, you know, to school, see her on MTV, and, like, Cisco, get out of my way, and I'd be, like, you know, doing his thing. And they're, like, all just cracking up over, you know, laughing. The therapist is, like, whatever did happen to Maya? And John's, like, that's exactly what we are talking about. We were saying, like, I think she's rich and married. And, you know, she was like, I, I don't need this. And she decided, you know, to, to be on her own. We were like, you know, remember that song? Uh, you forget about it. You start singing or something like that. And, you know, and then the therapist kind of sings along too. She's like, yeah, I remember loving that video. And he's like, with Cisco. And then we were just talking about how much we, we loved Maya. You know, I think Cisco's following me on Twitter still. <laughs> Jane's just, just sits back with her arms crossed. And then the therapist is like, Jane? Your body language is saying a lot right now. And and it is saying a lot. It's like, oh my gosh, Jane, you need to just relax. She's like, she's, oh. Then Jane's like, what's hard about this is I think you perform a bit when you're around other men. He's like, no. She's like, yeah. He's like, no. She's like, I think, and she kind of laughs, you were performing with them. You weren't even laughing like yourself. And he's like, we were, we were doing it. That's how I laugh. And she's like, nope, I've never heard you laugh like that. And he's like, that's how I laugh when I think something's actually, you know, funny. That's my real laugh. Jane looks at the therapist and like points at John. And she's like, actually funny. Did you hear that? And the therapist is like, John, let's try to refrain from using cruel or absolute language while we're in here. Which is like, okay, whatever. Outside of here, you can do whatever you want. And Jane's like, I think it's something he does when he's around men. I, I don't know if he, it has something to do with his dad. And John's like, wow. And then she's like, or something to do with the way you grew up, with how your mom... He's like, okay, listen, we have a therapist. We have a therapist here. Let her do her job, okay? You don't... You're being out of pocket, all right? And she's like, what does that even mean? The therapist is like, I think what John means by being out of pocket is that you're crossing a boundary. John, like, holds out his hand, like, pointing to the therapist, like, thank you. And she's like, okay, fine. He was crossing a lot of boundaries when he was in this conversation, he just like shakes his head. He's like, what boundaries? She's like, you, you're being racist. You're, you're saying racist things about me. He's like, I was not. Oh my gosh. And she's always bringing up his mom. Flashback. One guy says that he loves Latina women, but doesn't love their families. You know, they just, they're just, they just be too involved. And others are like, 
I, I, I don't know about that. He's like, you can't trust a woman who isn't close to her family. And John's like, facts. There's something wrong with a woman who's not close with her family. It tells you a lot about them, which is that that was that a dig at Jane? I mean, probably. A guy notices John's ring. He's like, oh, you know, you're married. He's like, another asks, like, is she Latina? He's like, Asian, actually. And they're like, ooh. And he's like, yeah, I went east. Then, you know, <laughs> so bad. And one's like, you're a lucky man. I love me some Asian. They they low-key conservative. They know their role. And John's like, not mine. She's not like that at all. And then one's like, she must be Filipino. And John's like, she's Japanese, but I've never met her family, so she could be low-key Korean. They laugh. With the therapist, John says to Jane, he's like, I know you're not low-key Korean. Like, that's obvious. Therapist cuts in, says that she recognizes, you know, in their individual communities, certain ways of communication are permissible. But I think bonding over racism within that community at your wife's expense is hardly a way to go about that. And he's like, this, our, the problem wasn't about that, okay? It wasn't about what I said. It was about what she did. So the flashback, one guy like, you know, cracks his neck. Another complains, he's like, man, you're always doing that, whatever. And, and he's like, you know, they're like, do yoga, you know, just 15 minutes, you know, whatever. The younger guy's like, it's like, nah, that's too much commitment. John says, he's like, well, you're young, you know, but you don't want to regret it later. You know, you don't want to be one of those old hunch over people. You know, he's like, you get, you know, your body, you get what you put in, you know, life's a maintenance. And another guy's like, oh yeah, I like that. Then they're like, who is this guy? He's like, I like that. And then, pew. Pew! He gets like the guy that says that he gets shot in the head, and John's like kind of taken aback. He's like, what? he's like, what? And then the second guy gets taken out, and then John has like blood on him. And the third guy's like sitting across from John, he's like stares at him. Then they both get up, and he like reaches, and then John has to like reach for his gun and shoot him. And he stands back looking at the room. Jane says over to Com, she's like, ugh. She's like, I'm fudging starving. Just grab the bag and get out of there. And he like stares out the window. So the therapist is like, oh, so Jane closed it? He's like, yeah, very, very aggressively. <laughs> so it's just like, um, you know, she didn't have to do that. She was just, she was just jealous and petty. These guys liked him. They're bonding together. So she decides to take them out, which is totally not even necessary. You know, there could, there could have been a way around it. Were they drug dealers or whatever? Who were they? It's just, it's just ridiculous how casually she just takes them out. But there, so in the therapist's place, there's a crash in the other room and the kid's like, mom. And she's like, you know, it's a drawback of working from home. You know, she's like, you know, I'll be right back. She just reminds the kid, whatever. So Jen, John turns and whispers at Jane. He's like, just tell her that you were jealous that you almost got me killed. And she's like, oh, what? He's like, you almost got me killed. She's like, I didn't get you killed. I fudging saved you. He's like, you didn't save me. I didn't need your help. She's like, oh, really? Did you die? Are you dead right now? He's like, am I dead right now? She's like, yeah, are you? He's like, what? Are you insane? Like, who do you think you are? God? She's like, keep your voice down. He's like, I almost died. So that was so out of line. Because as soon as the first guy was shot, and then she's lining up the second guy, you know, the one guy, yeah, could you like shoot John? Uh, and and saved him. Therapist returns, apologizes. She asks John if he can come up with a, a word other than controlling to explain why Jane might have intervened. He's like, um, I feel like maybe Jane intervened possibly because she's, she can be anxious. And the therapist's like, and do you want Jane to be anxious? He's like, no, I want her to let me help her be less anxious. Therapist's like, and do you think you can let John do that? Jane nods. She's like, yeah. And she's like, that's great. Nice work, John. 
and she's like, I do, I, I don't know. I just, I have trouble still with the idea of like, how do I, I do all that without making sacrifices to the parts of, without sacrificing parts of myself that makes me, me. Therapist talks about when she spent time in the jungles of Costa Rica, this rare something, some sort of monkey, I guess, or something like that, stared at her in the eye. You know, she's just like staring at it in awe and everything. And then she realized that if she didn't look away, it was going to rip a, a chunk out of her face. So sometimes they have to listen to nature. And they then the nod, they're like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, oh, we're out of time. Was that because you went to talk to your kid? And she's like, same time next week? And John's like, yeah, you know, I, I think we can do that. She's like, you know, Venmo sticky note is by the door. <laughs> so they're walking to the car. Jane's like, you know, it's, it's kind of silent. It's just walking. And what I notice is Jane has the keys. So with her being controlling, you know, of course she wants to drive. But whatever. So they're, they're going to walk a little bit, not really saying anything. Then Jane's like, what do you think? What do you think about that monkey story? He's like, I don't know. I was thinking about that. I, I was very lost. And she's like, I, I, I don't know where to look. And they, they kind of laugh. And he's like, was the monkey me? And she's like, or was the monkey me? And he's like, was she, was that uh, like like a racist? I, like, like, don't make eye contact with me. There's a, another session, you know, they're dressed differently. John comments like, like on the beautiful floors and the therapist is like, oh, thank you for noticing. And then she says that, you know, they actually came from her childhood home that uh, she had them, you know, them fly it in ages ago. And then she asks, how do things feel since their last session? They just kind of like stare at each other. And Jane's like, not good. Honestly, not great. And she's like, Jane, do you notice that you do that a lot? You answer for both of you. And she's like, well, he's not. I mean, last time, I, I feel like in the last session, he was doing that for me. But now I feel like he's not answering. You know, he's looking to me to answer. So, and she's like, okay, that's fair. John, do you notice that you do that a lot? Look to Jane for answers. And he's like, yeah, I guess I, I've just gotten used to her thinking she has all the answers. Therapist's like, can you rephrase that, John? He's like, I, I don't know as much as her. And she's like, great. Has Jane been able to let you take the lead at all since we last saw each other? He's like, he looks at Jane. He puts, you know, out her hand. He's like, I tried. Flashback to this dude running down to like a city sidewalk. They're being chased by them. Jane's like, out of the way. And John's like, hold up. He's like panting and everything. And in, in, the, in the, the therapist room, she's like, it's not my, it's not my fault you have asthma. And he's like, he's like, why even say that? And she's like, or the therapist is like, how is asthma relative here? And John's like, she's just using it to cut me down. And Jane's like, oh, don't do the thing where you twist it around and make it seem like you're the good guy and I'm being bad. He's like, I'm not. I'm pointing out. She's like, I'm not the villain. You're the one who is actually mean. He's like, I'm not the villain either. And she's like, yeah. So the therapist is like, how so? How so? Elaborate on that. Jane's like, so there was a software malfunction. I'm saving the computer from crashing. He's like, you always have to be first to troubleshoot a problem when it's fine the way it is. She's like, I don't need to troubleshoot. I start at zero and I go up through the codes. He's like, you go up through the codes? She's like, yeah. He's like, my files are clean. My files are fine. She's like, your files are so corrupt. The amount that I have to clean up after you is wild. He's like, really? Because the malware you have is incredible. And she's like, okay. He's like, it's crazy that it's still even running. She's like, you're the one who did the thing after that. That's the thing that actually fudged me up. So back to the chase. Guy runs in an elevator in some building. Um, Jane goes in there with it. John misses it. So Jane's fighting the guy inside. 
And John, you know, he's saying, you never want to give me credit for anything. I'm good at pivoting. I taught you that. So we see him running up the stairs. She's still like kind of fighting in the elevator. She's like, I'm always communicating with you on a job. I'm keeping you in the loop. So in the elevator, she's calling out third floor, fourth floor, you know, blah, 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 11th, 15th, 16th. And he's just like trying to run up the stairs. So then at one point, she's got the dude like in a sleeper hold, you know, from behind. But, you know, they reach the roof and he's able to like hit her still like over his shoulder. Then they're up, up on a roof and then they're like at the edge and she kind of has him. And she's like, die, mother trucker. And she shoves him over and you hear thud, like car alarm. And then in a high pitched voice, he's like out of breath. He's like laughing. He's like, what? What are you saying? Who, who are you talking to? What? 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 The, who, who was that for? What was that for? Was that for you or was that for me? Oh, oh, babe, die mother trucker. He's like laughing. He's like, did I miss your first movie? <laughs> His reaction cracked me up. Uh, and I'm, I, it's, it's bad because I'm laughing at Jane because she's just being so wicked and, and wrong. And I don't want to be saying that just because I'm a dude and she's not, but I, I feel like that's how they're writing it. Anyways, back at the... <laughs> at the uh, therapist she's like he laughed at me in my face because he couldn't keep up with the coding and he wasn't even in her face it was over to come and she's like and i was saving you stop stop laughing because <laughs> he's laughing in in the therapist room he's like it was funny that that you said that it was a you you said a catchphrase while while we were coding she like shakes her head and he's like what imagine if i had some said something like 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 if i was he's like samers <laughs> that's what's up chicken butt <laughs> the therapist nods in agreement jane laughs he's like you're laughing and she's like because that's not what i said first up and he's like yeah but it was funny <laughs> that's what's up chicken butt <laughs> I, I i like that i want to use that close out the podcast <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> be good to each other that's what's up chicken butt Oh, I got tears. Uh, where, where? <laughs> so he's like, it was funny. She's like, yeah. Or, or she's like, it's hurtful when you laugh at something like that. I, I needed to say that to, to go there. And the therapist is like, to go where? John's like, he, he kind of cuts in to, you know, try to try to pivot because that's what he does. You know, because it's like, how, how are you supposed to explain this to the therapist? He's like, it's, it's just a moment and you, you take it like I'm, you know, He's like, you take it like I'm belittling you. And it's not belittling. You're the one who thinks, she's like, you are. He's like, you're the one who thinks that I can't live without you. That's belittling. She's like, I've had to save you many times. It's just a fact. He's like, when have you, when have you saved my life? <laughs> and then she's like, ski work trip. And he like chuckles. He's like, the ski trip? And she's like, mm-hmm. He's like, you saved my ding dong. He didn't say ding dong. <laughs> He's like, that's not my life. And she's like, that is not a small feat. He's like, it's not like I get, you know, I, I get to use it anymore. When it comes to you and all your problems and your point of view, I have to be there and support it and understand it. But when it comes to me and my stuff, no one gives a fudge. And the therapist, he's like, sorry. And she, you know, for swearing, she's like, it's okay. And he's like, he's being brave and honest. 
so John had gotten up and then, you know, he goes, opens up his piano, starts playing the piano. She's like, please don't play that. She's like, it's, it's not for playing. It was my grandfather's. It's the one thing my grandparents were able to save from the war. One of the Nazis loved to hear them play. It saved their lives. So he's like, oh, oh, Jesus. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't. And he, he tries like wiping the top after he closes. And she asked him, just, just, you know, return to your seat. He apologized again. He, he tries a joke. He's like, you know, maybe you need a, need a sign. He's, he's like, I mean, you got a QR code. So... And then the therapist's like, is this a traditional dynamic between you two? Jane taking the lead in a leadership role always? And Jane slowly nods. And John's like, it wasn't like that, you know, in the beginning. It's like, I had uh, more experience than her. And she like smirks. And there was a lot. I, I trained her in, in a lot of ways. It's like, you trained me? He's like, uh, I gave you a lot more guidance, if I'm being honest. He's like, I felt more comfortable in that role because... You know, it felt like you were looking up to me, and I missed that. And the therapist's like, what a vulnerable thing to admit. How does it make you feel, Jane? She's like, I do still look up to you, John. And he's like, sometimes you act like like I'm holding you back. It feels like you think I'm holding you back. She's like, I don't feel that way. I don't think you're holding me back. The therapist's like, do you feel that? That's the power of the work that we're doing here together. It's the power of this room. So I think what I would like for you to try to do is to try to say time out when things start heating up. It might sound silly, but my husband and I do it and it really does work. Say time out, you take 20 minutes. And then if you want to revisit the conversation or the topic, of course you can. And she's like, funny thing, nine times out of 10, it no longer feels as important. Do you think you can try this? They're like, "Mm mm-hmm. So they're walking to the car. And she's like, she likes you more than me. He's like, that's not true. She's like, no, it's true. Everyone likes you more. You're very likable. So see, that's another thing. Does that make her jealous? That's probably why she was so upset when he's with the guys playing cards because they liked him. And there's no, besides the fact that they're black, they're bonding over that. She could never do that and bond with, you know, if it was a bunch of women or whatever, she couldn't go in there and, and get into that role. That the, the way that he was speaking, that's not John. John is very respectful, and that's you know, it has to do with being the way his mom raised him and you know, the way he's treated her. You know, he's super respectful and all that. He was getting into the role and and you know, he was playing along. I don't think he was intentionally being racist, he was just he was undercover, he's a friggin' spy, and she can't accept that, anyways. There's another s- session, and they're sitting like further apart, they're like on, on opposite sides of the couch. Therapist's like. Why don't we start this session saying one great thing that your partner does for you? And it's like, they're both like silent. She's like, Jane? She's, Jane's like, John always leaves the toilet seat down. And the therapist just stares. Did something happen this week at work, John? He's just like silent. And she's like, okay, look, I'm just going to call out the elephant in the room here. It seems like work is a real point of contention for you. And Jane's like, yeah, it wasn't a, a good work week. And she's like, a lot of it might be depression from looking at screens all day. John's like, it's not the screens. Then she's like, well, what would you say it is then? What happened this week? Jane's like, we went on a work retreat, camping. So we see a flashback during the woods. And she's like, this is taking longer than Hi-Hi said it would. Why, why wouldn't they include the coordinates to find this guy? He's like, they probably don't know where he is. You know, he's obviously off the grid. She's like, are you saying we're not lost? And, you know, they're both like carrying assault rifles going through the woods. So the therapist's like, what were you actually doing on this retreat? John's like, we were hunting. And she's like, wow, I didn't see you two as the hunting type. You know, what were you hunting? And he's like, just big game. It it was big. And Jane's like, John is a a big game hunter. 
flashback. She's like, it all looks the same. He's like, not to me. And she scoffs. You know, she's like, the woods are the woods. She's like, we're lost here. And she's like holding up her phone, moving it about. He's like, you think after two days, you're just going to magically get service? He's like, look, we're not lost. Would you trust me? You always get like this. And she's like, like what? He's like, all stressed and, and worried. And, you know, we're not going to fail the mission. I know you're worried about it, but we're, we're just not. We'll find him before nightfall, okay? And she's like, okay. And, you know, John's like, it was nice at the beginning because it felt like she needed me again. And it felt like there was a spark that was being relit. And the therapist's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's like, Jane? She's like, yeah, there was a small spark at the beginning. The therapist's like, so where did things go wrong? Jane's like, we were working, camping, doing the, the hunting, and then he got all machismo. So they're sitting by a pond. John's like kind of crouched, like throwing something in the water, doing something that he's like, you impressed? And she's like, catch something w- with it, and, and I will be. It's like, this whole mission is weird. So I guess he's setting up like some sort of fishing. I don't know what he's doing. He like scoffs. He's like, how? She's like, I mean, you're acting like this is Disneyland. Like you're camping. It's, I don't know. We haven't seen a trace of the target. There's no reception. Nobody's here. We're just, how do we even know he's still here? Then he's like, okay, fudge it. And so he stands up. He shoots in the water and she like kind of screams. He's like, chill. Shoots again. She's like, stop, John. She's like, the hunter is going to hear you. She's like, are you crazy? And John's like, then he'll come to us. You know, we can't find him. So he'll come to us. And then he's like, ah, he, he pulls out a fish. He's like, the trick is you have to shoot under it, not at it. At the therapist, he's like, I didn't read a book. That's what happened. You know, and she's like, that's how you're going to talk about this? That's what you're going to say? He's like, this is all because of a book. And the therapist's like, I'm sorry, what's this about a book? And then Jane's like, he lied. So a flashback, they're sitting around a fire. He tries getting her to relax he mentions, you know, he's like, you know, just look at the stars, you know, appreciate that. No one gets, you know, really to see it like this. And she says that it's like the prophet. And he's like, hmm. And she's like, the joy and the sorrow. He's like, hmm. And she just kind of stares at him. And then she's like, I'm tired. You know, I'm going to go to bed. So she gets in her sleeping bag, she lays down. And then after, you know, like a few seconds, she gets up. Do you actually like the prophet? He's like, what? She's like, the book, the prophet. He's like, yeah, What? what about it? She's like, have you even read it? And he's like, no. So at the therapist, she's like, so this was about a book? And Jane's like, it started off about a book. It's not about a book. Then she's the therapist's like, well, then what is it about? So a flashback, she's like, you told me it was your favorite book you read. He's like, when did I say that? Jane's like, I said it was my favorite book. I said the hot neighbor loved it. He like laughs. She's like, and then you said what? He's like, that yeah i mean yeah then that's probably why i was i don't like that guy i just i i don't like how he flirts with you she's like oh my god he's like i don't understand so i prob i said that to it's just a book she's like so you lied he's like yeah yeah i lied i don't think it warrants this kind of reaction she's like i thought that's why we match because it's our favorite book john's like you think an international spy agency put us together because we like the same book and like quietly, she's like, no. He's like, like, it's okay, Cupid or something. She's like, okay, no, I'm wrong. He's like, right. He's like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm wrong because I actually have never seen you read a book the entire time I've known you. So it makes sense. And he's like, I know you, Jane. And you're very calculated about how you put things. So if you want to call me stupid, just call me stupid. She's like, I'm not calling you stupid. 
he's like, and we can have a conversation about it. She's like, no, I'm not calling you stupid. I mean, she was. She's saying, oh, I've never seen you read a book. So yeah, you, you wouldn't, I was wrong to think that you have ever read one. And she's like, I'm just saying you don't read books, which is true. And he like laughs. He's like, what are you, he's like, you, can, can we just, you know, please go to sleep? All right. We can argue about books in the morning. All right. She's like, yeah, I'm tired. And she mutters, you've been teaching me all day. Like I'm your student. So he's like, I've, he stands up. He's like, I've been trying to share things with you. You know, we're, we were doing things together. I was showing you. She's like, no, it was all pretty condescending and controlling. So he's like, I'm condescending and controlling. She's like, yeah. He's like, Jane, you don't even let me eat out something. You know what I'm talking about? And she's like, I have to tell you how to do it. He's like, every fudging time, like I've never seen a vegetable before. He didn't say vegetable. You know what I'm talking about, right? Hey, kids, what's that out the window? In case the kids are listening. She's like, if you learned and listened, maybe I wouldn't have to fudging say how to do do do. He's like, this is classic Jane. I have to, I have to emasculate you so I feel worth it. And she's like, I have to teach you everything because you don't know. He's like, you don't have to teach me poop. And she's like, how do you do a lot of things? You act like a baby. He's like, you're sitting underneath a shelter I made. And she's like, oh, in like a caveman voice. Oh, I'm a man. I build shelter, food, fire, water. And he's like, fudge you. And she's like, nice. He's like, why are you like this? Why do you do that? I just don't get it. And she's like, I just have deeper priority. He's like, you got... You have deeper priorities? She's like, yeah. You don't have the capacity to understand it, so... And that's just right there. You don't have the capacity. So she's saying again, you're stupid. You don't understand this. He's like, just shut up. She's like, you're always trying to make you know somebody feel stupid. And she's like, shut up, shut up. Fudge you. He's like, is that how your mom taught you how to talk to women? He's like, you're obsessed with my mom. And she's like, wait, wait. Okay, you're saying... I'm obsessed with your mom. You call her five times a day. It's a little unhealthy and it's, you need boundaries. He's like, oh, oh, the boundaries thing. That's the whitest thing that you, and he's, she's like, oh, what a fudging cool dig. He's like, oh, like you even know what that means. He's like, her husband died. I'm the man her in her life. I take care of her because I came out of her. What did you do for your dad when your mom died? Other than not talk to him ever again she's a good mother. You wouldn't know anything about that because you're too busy gallivanting around with a fudging cat. So don't talk to her. Don't fudging bring her up every time we have a dis... He's like, every time we have a disagree. He's like, clap. <laughs> He's like, because you don't understand feelings. You don't know what it's like to care about somebody. You just pretend and fudging robotic mimic everything somebody else does. I don't know if you're on the spectrum or what, but it's fudging weird. And all you do is make other people feel bad for feeling poop. You said it yourself. You wouldn't be a good mom. So don't come here and talk that poop to me. And I was just like, dang, mic drop. I mean, he just, it, it's its cruel, you know, saying maybe she's on the spectrum, maybe, you know, again, crossing line, but it's kind of true. She's like always bringing up his mom. She's always, you know, trying to make him feel bad. She's always saying stuff. And it's because she's probably insecure about herself, but that doesn't excuse it. It's like, holy crap. He's like, we already failed this fudging mission anyways. And she gets up and like stands in front of him on the other side of the fire. She's like, who is your emergency contact? And he's like, what? She's like, who is your emergency contact? He's like, my mom. And she's like, you're mine. And she kind of like sobs and like softly, you know, she turns. But it's like, 
I that she has to realize that there is a, a problem there, and and you know John is not perfect, but oh my goodness, at the therapist, Jane's like our boss was unhappy to say the least. So it's like did they get another strike because they failed the mission? But even though there was was no intel, the therapist like I have a thought. Are you ever able to take time off of work? And then she's like, not really. And she's like, well, what about working on separate projects for a while rather than doing it all together? John's like, eh, it doesn't really work that way. And she's like, yeah. Then she's like, okay, guys, honestly, it's just a job. Just a job. It's not life and death. I know that a lot of this is really tough, but you guys have to remember that no one is forcing you to stay together. They're silent because they kind of are. It's like, no one is holding a gun to your head. You can leave this relationship anytime. Um, they can't because remember the other Jane and John laughed at them when they thought it's like that they could just leave anytime they wanted. It's like you are choosing to stay in it. It's a choice. Right now, you are choosing to be better. Otherwise, you wouldn't be showing up here every week saying all of the hard things. Yeah? Okay. And then to, to Jane, John's like, you know, maybe if we ask hi um him, our boss, if if we could get separate um coding projects for a while. She's like, Yeah. He's like, that could be good. And she's like, mm-hmm. And the therapist's like, that sounds like a solid plan. Do you feel better? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So will I see you next week? And they're like, yeah. So they get up. And she's like, oh, before I leave, I want to give you this. She's like, these are the recordings. And John's like, recordings? Well, um, she's like, yes. Remember the contract you signed? I record all the sessions. And then that way, at the end of every month, you can watch it back. We can unpack anything we might have missed. You know, listen for tone. They're both like, uh, great, and everything. And John's like, uh, where are all the um, uh, cameras and uh, microphones and stuff? And she's like, oh, goodness, they're hidden all over the room. I feel like when people see cameras, they tend to behave inorganically. And he's like, uh, of course. Then Jane asks something. Uh, you know, she's like, oh, what's this uh, on the shelf? You know, it's like, you know, she's like, you know, what is this? It's a great piece. And, and she's like, oh, thanks. For, you know, thanks for noticing. It was actually made by a person in... Kutaya, Kutaya, whatever, I don't know where it was, who is no longer with us, an artist by the name of Ulu Bakmancho. This was his final piece. He said, this ends with me. So it's like, wait, why do you have it then? Just sitting on a shelf where no one's going to see it. And she's like, see you next week. And she's like, you know, she goes to sit. She's like, don't forget the Venmo by the door. <laughs> then she like sits in a chair, takes off her shoes. And she's like, oh God. She like pulls out a vape pen or something like that. Her son's like, mom, mom. And she's like, mommy's working. She's still working. It's like, no, you're not. She takes another hit. Mom, there's a fire. And the smoke alarm goes off. Outside, you see John and Jane kind of like rushing out, you know, fast walking. And John's like, uh, I think we should try again with someone else. And Jane's like, no, it's it's not for us. He's like, well, I know it's not fun. She's like, no, now you're going to use it against me. Anytime we get in a fight, you're going to say, oh, if we just had therapy, uh, that would be the thing that w- it would be, you know, that, that we would be able to do. And he's like, I'm not angry with you, would you? And he's like, time out. <laughs> so then the, you, we see the therapist and a the kid are outside. They come out. She's on the phone with the fire department. So if it's up in flame and blah, blah, blah. And that's the end of the episode. Oh, my gosh. That was, like, so intense. It was so, so like, awkward to, like, watch and just see how, I mean, no one wants to see that. It's like, oh, my goodness. So, um yeah, that was something. So that was uh, episode six. Two more episodes left. Episode seven is called Infidelity. Yikes. All right, Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, I So three episodes are out, of course. 
And um, I think I might just talk about two. I'm going to kind of gauge the time, you know, because I've watched the third episode, surprisingly. But, you know, I also want to talk about the, at least the first episode of Avatar. So I, I might save two because I, or I might save uh, the third episode for next week and maybe do like th- three and four next week. Whew. Because uh, I, th- I think there's only one next week. So, anyways, um, just to re- if if you don't remember, because so with with the the show when I I post on Entertainment Fish, I post a podcast on there, and each show I know this is, may not be ideal, but let, like let's say you're like, oh, I want to listen to your podcast where you talked about the the last season of the finale. So the only thing I could suggest, I mean, you could reach out and ask me when I, I could try to find it. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard for me to find it because I kind of know how to look for it. But basically, if you go to Entertainment Fish and like if you went to the search, because I enter all the podcasts on there, even though you're probably getting it directly from iTunes or Spotify or whatever you're listening. But if you go to Entertainment Fish and you like if you search Star Wars Bad Batch or just Bad Batch, it should come up. I, I, there's, there's like a tag for all the shows, so you can look up and it, in the search, the results should show all the episodes. That's the only thing that's going to come up. If there's any news articles, which I don't do, it's many news articles lately anymore, but it's going to show all the podcast episodes that have the bad batch. If you want to see like Mr. Myth is Smith, you can you know type that in. If you wanted to see uh, what's another show that hasn't been on um, in in a while, and I'm totally drawing a blank. Like let's say. Monarch, uh, that's something that ended. When did I talk about the last episode of Monarch? You missed it because you're in vacation. You had no, you're in a jungle or whatever. If you search Monarch, it should pop up and you can see, oh, that's when the last episode. So you get the idea. Um, so just to remind you, uh, with the last episode, you know, they, they wanted to get Crosshair back. Uh, Tech Sec sacrifices himself. Uh, Omega gets taken to Nala Say, uh, the one, um, Kamen Noen. Um, by that hem- hemlock, Doctor Hemlock dude, and because you know they're they're doing more cloning stuff for the Emperor. So episode three hundred one, confined. We see this like shuttle with like troopers fly to some planet. It's it's rainy. It's like rough. You know, flying. There's lightning to get hit. They go down, crash in the jungle. They're trying to call a base, and you know, one's like, we need to keep moving. There's there's creatures in this jungle. The other's like, it's like, oh, the, the lurka hounds are are keeping them at bay. And the first is like, not this far out. You know, and then there's like this growl. At the base, Hemlock's like, why hasn't the shuttle arrived yet? So he's told it it crashed. And then the, the, the trooper's like, should we send backup? He's like, listening. there's like shooting and screaming and growling. And he's like, negative. If they're past the perimeter, they're as good as dead. So we see Omega sitting like in a cell in a room, looking out the window at the jungles and the mountains. That human doctor lady, Emery Carr, who's also a clone from Django Fett, she asks, uh, how's Omega feeling? And she's like, like a prisoner. I'd like to leave. And Emery's like, prisoner, Omega, you are no such thing. It'll take time to adjust, but you will acclimate. It's also far safer in here than out there. So then she's like, you know, come along. He's like, we have much to do. So they walk through the halls. Omega sees Crosshair, like some other clones, you know, being taken somewhere. He either doesn't see or he just doesn't notice her. You know, he doesn't care or whatever. They go in this lab room. Then a car injects like a clone, um, takes like a sample and um, I, at first I was like, I, I'm trying to remember, I was like, wait, who, what clones are these? So she's, you know, she's, Omega's just like watching all this. Emery's like, she needs a s- sample from Omega. And she's like, why? So she's like, Emery Carr, she's like, the, the samples are used for various research projects. All of us serve a purpose here. It won't hurt. 
So she sits up on a little bed. So she's like, can you at least tell me where my brothers are? And Emery's like, I do not know. And she's like, if you're a clone like me, how come I never saw you on Camino? And she's like, because I was sent elsewhere until Dr. Hemlock took me under his wing. He saw potential in me, like Nala Say sees in you. I never knew I had a sister. It's nice not being alone. And she just like kind of looks at her, doesn't say anything. Then she's like, head to the lab. Nala Say is expecting these. And she hands her like a tray of samples. So Omega heads out. She arrives at the lab with the samples. She gets scanned before entering the second door, you know, probably to see if she has any weapons or anything like that. There's all these like droids working around doing like moving, you know, samples about into different machines and that. Nala Say enters and, you know, or she puts one sample in this big machine. Omega hands her a tray. They're scanned and she sees it once Omega. She's like, Omega, your sample was taken. And she's like, mm-hmm. Emery said it was routine. So now let's say she looks at it. She like, first she's like, wait, did she just delete the file? Then she takes a sample out of the tray and like sticks in this machine, whoosh, like to dispose of it. Omega's like, why? And she's like, tell no one. It's safer this way. And she's like, this research, it's not like we did on Camino, is it? And now let's say he's like, no, it's not. I don't understand. Why did they bring me here? And now let's say he's like, to ensure that I cooperate. The Empire seeks the reproduction of a genetic M count, but the experiments on the specimens have yet to yield desired results. And Omega's like, what specimens? You, you mean the clones? And she's like, no, not the clones. So probably uh, Emperor clones, right? Hemlock enters and is like, oh, how nice it is to see, you know, now let's say, reunited with your trusted assistant. I'm sure Omega's presence will only strengthen your efforts. Shall we head to the vaults? And now let's say, she's like stops Omega from going with her. She like tells her to, you know, see to her remaining tasks. At the vault, there's lots of armed troopers in there. So when they, they go in, there's like all these like sets of laser grid securities. So they go in one one part, it turns off. The next one, you know, when they enter, it keeps like turning on behind them. So it's super, super secure. But we don't see like what's in there. Omega has to feed these lurka hounds and during cages, this robot like zaps one with the baton and then um, calls one uh, from outside with a scanner implant. So it like, brings it, you know, back to the cage or whatever. When the droid like heads to this other part, Omega takes like some grass or something like that, some hay, sticks it into like her, her little like toolbox, you know, case. Then she goes to this uh, cage at the end and she's like, hi, Batcha. It like growls and she sees it still not eating its food. She's like, oh, I don't blame you. So she gives her some of hers that, she hid in her tool case, and as she holds out her hand, it kind of like lunges at the cage and kind of scares Omega. You know, she she falls back and put like you know drop the food in there. It like like kind of sniffs. It eats the pieces, and she's like, "I'll bring more tomorrow." And she like walks back through like the halls. She sees like other like clone troopers in, in cells. One is like shivering, the other's like coughing. Then she stops and whispers at Crosshair her cell. She says that you know she tried to come earlier, but there's too many guards watching her. He like sighs, you shouldn't be down here at all. And she's like, well, how else are we going to plan an escape? He's like, there is no we and there is no escape. I've already tried. And she's like, every stronghold has a weak point. Maybe I can convince Emery to help. She's one of us. And he's like, not every clone is your ally. You trust too easily. Maybe you don't trust enough. And he's like silent. Then he's like, just go before, you know, you make things worse for the both of us. She's like, there has to be a way out of here. I'll find it. Back in her cell, she marks like a tally on the wall. 
uh, you know, marking the days. So I think it looks like she's been there for 20 days, maybe. And she made like a doll from the, the grass that she took. Then there's a shot of Nalise's lab, you know, the blood samples cycling through, you know, giant centrifuge machine, all this stuff. Later, Omega wakes up, looks outside. Um, now, according to the tally, so time has passed. It's been at least 150 days. There might be more. I don't know if it's just cropped out of the shot, but I counted. There's like, you know, rows of like, you know, I think there's like six rows of whatever. So I, I counted 150. She puts her, she, so she has a doll. She puts it in her case. Uh, and it looks like her hair is getting a little longer. She has like a little ponytail. Then when Emery arrives, she uh, goes past Crosshair again in the hallway. He, like she doesn't even look at him this time. There's another blood sample taken from her, you know, taken to Nalise. Nalise deletes the sample, throws it away again. Uh, Omega feeds the beast. You know she goes to, out to the cages. She goes to the Batcher. It's like licking this big giant gash, and she calls a droid over. She's like, Batcher's hurt. And a droid calls it by the serial number. It says that it sustained injuries during a nightly patrol. If her wounds do not heal, the subject will be terminated. Then do something to help her. I am not a medical droid. It is not part of my programming. Just walks away. She sees like a first aid kit on the wall. She grabs something out of it. And then you know she reaches in. Batch, Batcher like snaps at her. Now look, I need to clean your wound for it to get better. It'll only hurt for a second. So put those teeth away and behave. She swabs at the, the nasty wound. See, that's not so bad. Later, she tells Crosshair that she dressed Batcher's wounds the best she could. And she's like, at least she didn't bite me. That's progress, right? If she doesn't get better soon, you know, maybe I can steal a med kit from the lab and see if there's anything I can use. He's like, stop. And he like, so I say, like, what is your primary objective? And she's like, escape. Then stop wasting time on lost causes. Forget the hound. Forget me and complete the mission. Not without you. If I get the chance to escape, I wouldn't think twice about leaving you behind. You're lying. You wouldn't do that. You're my brother. I am not them. I'm not giving up, Crosshair. I won't let you either. And she gets up, like walks away, and he like sighs. Omega, don't risk anything for me. I belong in here. None of us belong in here. In her cell, she looks out the window then we see a shot of the lab, the centrifuge machine, blah, blah, blah. She's sleeping. Door opens. She gets up. She's trying to hide a doll behind her back. Two troopers start, like, looking around her sink. You know, she's, like, like looking under her sink, under her bed. Emery stands in the doorway. She's, like, surprise inspection, standard procedure. The trooper, like, dumps her case, and he's, like, clear. Then he grabs a doll out of her hands, and, you know, she's, like, she struggles. Emery's, like, bring it here. She's, like, we've been over this before, Omega. Personal items are forbidden. I'll dispose of it. Don't, please, Emery. It is for your own good. Come, we have work to do. And then she describes her case and follows. Now, Lise walks out of the lab with Hemlock, and she's like, the Emperor should be pleased. We accomplished a successful transfer. And Hemlock's like, not when the M count was severely diminished in the process. If we do not match or exceed the specimen's original count, it is a failure. If you cannot produce the desired results, I'll have to reconsider the freedoms I've given to your young assistant. I would hate to think you were intentionally delaying this advancement. Now let's say, it's like, you should not question my loyalty to science, doctor. Of course, and we shall soon see if the Empire is as understanding as I am. Feeding time, Omega checks on Batcher. She's excited to see uh, Omega. She's like, you know, jumping around and everything like that. 
And she's, you know, she's like, you almost said 100%. The droid comes up. Did you not read the standing order for the day? LH-201 has been slated for termination. What? Why? She's healed. That creature's recent domesticated disposition has been deemed a liability. But that's my fault, not hers. It is protocol. She reaches for the droid's data pad. The droid pulls it back and she's like, let go. So she manages to like, kick it you know, away with her, her feet. The droid calls security alert. Um, it pulls out a stun baton, but Omega dodges, um, uses the pad. She makes this like large crate fall on top of the droid, like this thing like overneath, whoosh, like kind of crushes it. And then she picks up the baton, zaps the droid as it tries to call security again. Then she opens Batcher's back door. So she tells it to run away and not come back. You know, try not to bite anyone. She's like, I can't go with you yet. I have to get crosshair first. Go on. Batcher kind of whines and finally runs out. Breaking the rules, I see. So Hemlock and Emery are standing behind her. And releasing a weak lurker hound into the wild? I didn't know you were so cruel, Omega. Me? You are going to terminate her. And you believe your actions changed that outcome? Some rotations ago, one of our shuttles crashed just beyond the mountain. But that is not what killed them. No, it was the creatures that roamed the jungle. Even our strongest lurker hounds struggle against what's behind these walls. And your domestication of LH-201 only made her vulnerable. You don't know that she won't survive. She deserves a chance. Oh, the flawed logic of an idealistic child. Emotion and sentiment have no place within these walls. You would do well to remember that. Or what? And then uh, Emery's like, Doctor, perhaps I should return Omega to her room. And he puts out his arms. You have more to say? I know you brought me here to make Nala say cooperate. You need her. She won't work if, for you if you hurt me. He like laughs. Of course I'm not going to hurt you, Omega. Your friend in the detention block, however, may not be as fortunate. Don't hurt Crosshair. He didn't do anything. So she just like totally gave up, like showing all her cards. I didn't did have plans for CT-9904, despite his resistance to re-education. But I am willing to make a few sacrifices if your misbehavior continues. Actions always have consequences, sometimes not in the ways we imagine. Take her back to her room and restrict her access. So then Omega sits in a room. Emery enters and Omega, she's a size. Go away. And she's like, Omega, just go. So Emery puts something down in the doorway and then she leaves. Omega turns and sees her doll in the doorway. And then she hears a lurk a hound howl in the distance. She goes to the, you know, she gets her doll, goes to the window and we see, she doesn't see it, I'm, I'm sure, Batcher's on a cliff, howls, and then runs into the j jungle. That's the end of the first episode. Episode 302, Paths Unknown. So this one veers off to Hunter and Wrecker. Um, actually, we see some Deveronians. This dude is like brought in for conspiracy against the royal family. He denies it, uh, but they're like, you know, his accomplices supposedly confessed. Any last words? And he's like, this syndicate has grown weak under your rule, Lady Durand. So Lady Durand is actually, I didn't realize this, voiced by Angelica Houston. So it's like, wow. She's like, weak, you say? Who here agrees? And there, you, we can't see anything in the room. It's like dark, but it's like the, it kind of pans up. There's like shadowy figures. You know, no one uh, says anything. And then the, the dude's like, cowards. 
And she's like, you're dismissed, Captain. She presses a button on her throne chair, and the floor drops out beneath the dude. And, she's, and she asks, who stands before me next? So then Wrecker and Hunter bring in some this other dude. And she's like, such courage to demand an audience with me. You'd be dead if my son hadn't convinced me to consider your offer. So I guess her son is like her viceroy, maybe, because he's like standing at the, the foot of her like throne area. And uh, Hunter's like, and we're here to deliver. Tosses like a horn to her son. You asked for the pike who disgraced your family. And Rucker's like, he's all yours. And he's like, it won't be traced back to you. We made sure of it. So she's like, take him below. And then they, they, they take the guy away. So she's impressed with the, the two. She's like, your willingness to cross the pikes show how desperate you are. Tell me, why is it intel you've requested of such value to you? Hunter's like, the Empire and Hemlock stole someone from us. We heard your syndicate had the connections needed to find an Imperial base. And since we've upheld our end of the bargain. She like looks at, at the two buttons on her chair, like deciding which one to push. Then she hits a different one. She waves her son to them. And he's like, Hemlock's whereabouts have been well guarded by the Empire. But one of our sources came across these coordinates linked to his laboratory. Hunter's like, have they been verified? She's like, take what you came for and go before my generosity runs out. Then the son, like kind of a little choir, is like, I hope you find who you're looking for. They leave. They're in hyperspace in her ship. Hunter looks at the coordinates. He looks at Omega's bunk. You see her, her, her little stuffy there. Wrecker said that Rex said that they'd need two rotations before they could send reinforcements to the location. Hunter says, not good enough. You know, they're going now. Wrecker says that the last time they stormed Imperial base, not all of them made it out. Hunter says Omega's been waiting for them a long time. You know, it's long enough. So they arrive at a planet. So it's like, is it the right one? Maybe. You know, we don't know yet. They arrive in a jungle. Okay. They At first, it's like, are they leaving the door open? But apparently they don't. But it, they must have shut it remotely later. So there's nothing on a scanner. Hunter wonders if the scanners are being jammed. Then they come to this, like, big canyon. And then you can see Hemlock's lab, but it's been destroyed. So like, it, they're like an, another orbital bombardment records start saying he's like if omega was here he's like we don't know that she was he's like the duran's intel could be wrong he's like let's get down there and check it out as they're kind of rushing down hunter kind of hears some like branches some whatever rustling he tells hunter that they're not alone then a couple kids jump out with like spears i was like what they're like drop your weapons and wrecker laughs blaster beats stick kid hunter says that they're regs that they're, they're clones like regular clones so one kid's like, who are, who are who are you? So they kind of lift up their helmets, and Hunter's like, we're clones, same as you. The one of the kids like, you don't look like clones. The other one's like, they must be 99s, defective. Rucker's like, defective and effective. So Hunter's like, what are you two doing out here? And one says like, what's it look like, surviving or trying to? No thanks to the Empire. And then the other one's like, they send you to finish this off? And Rucker's like, we look like we're with the Empire? Hunter says that they're... We're looking for a young girl. She was a clone. We think she was sent to the lab here. One of the kids like, never saw anyone like that, but Mox might know about her. The other one's like, he won't talk to them. And Hunter's like, please, we have to find her. She's part of our squad. So then they're like, stick to the trail, follow our steps, and don't touch the vines. So they, they're walking. They, they thought that they were getting more training when the Empire transferred them off Camino and said they were made into, you know, prisoners. They took samples of their blood. Hunter, like, asked why. You know, what, what's the Empire doing here? 
One says, whatever they wanted, you know, at least we escaped before they destroyed the facility. And then they, they start getting attacked by binds. Like, they just, like, grabbing them. They're like, don't shoot it. Just gets them more hostile. And they, they manage, you know, like, contrast to slice one or they, they run to get out of there. So then they tell them that those were slither vines made by the Empire as an experimental weapon until they lost control of it. It's probably why they ordered a base Delta Zero on their own facility. They reach this, like, camp area. There's, there's moxes there, like, by a fire. So he's a reg like them. He demands to know, like, you know, who, who are these two? When kid says that they're clones like them, Hunter explains that they're looking for a young girl taken by an Imperial named Hemlock, or the girl's name's Omega. Mox says that he never saw a girl around the lab, but he knows Hemlock. He was in charge until things changed. You know, one day the Imperials started packing up and shipped out, so they made their move and escaped. Another kid said that they're the only ones that made it out before the orbital bombardment. The other kid says that you know, I don't know what their names are. They do have names, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but at this point you don't know. So the other one says that the, the clone troopers left them there to die, said that they were just following orders. Hunter says that, you know, they can take them to someplace safe, but they need to find out if Omega was here or where Hemlock took her to. You know, so there has to be some, you know, intel on that base. One kid says that, you know, one of the control room panels was still intact during their last scout. You know, he tried to use to send a signal, but there's no power. Hunter says that, you know, if he can take him, you know, can he, can he take him there? So the other kid's like, no way. It's like that area's covered in slither vines. Mox says like, says it stacks, right? So S-T-A-K is one of the other's name. He's like going near, near the ruins, a suicide mission. He says like, you know, you're on your own. The other kid says, he's like, they need our help. He's like, I'll go with them. Stack says, you know, the risk of, you know, going down there. So the, the, the one that goes with him, his name is Deke. So when they're gone, Stack's like, I thought he was the smart one. So Deke asks, how long has this clone they're looking for been gone? And Hunter's like, too long, you know, but we're not giving up. So it's like, they, they refuse to tell us how long, but that's fine. So Deke says that you know he wished the other clones felt that way about them. And he, he's like, you may be defective CTs, but at least you're loyal. They reach their ship because they need to stop by there they get to get a power source for the base. So the kid's in awe over their ship. He's like, oh, it looks like it's seen some action. Hunter's like, mostly during the war and some after. And so Deke's like, I thought one day I'd be flying one of these on a mission. A lot's changed. Rucker comes out with Gonky, the, the power droid, strapped like upside down on his back. He's like, gonk, gonk. They reach the, the base. Uh, the kid gets grabbed by a vine. Hunter slices him down. They see some other like critters scattering about. There must be like other experiments. They're just kind of like bodies with like two legs and then like a big mouth and like teeth. And they, they like kind of like jump out at them. And, you know, like they shoot one. It, it, it gets up. So it got shot. I, mean, I don't know if they had it on stun, but it just gets up and like skitters away. So they just like run. Back at the camp, Stack asks, you know, you know, what are they waiting for? They should just take their ship and get out of there. Mock's like, well, what about Deke? Stack says that he made his choice. Mock says that if they leave him behind, they're no better than the troopers who did the same to them. And, you know, those two clones seem different. You know, they're risking their lives to find a member of their squad. So he respects that. Stack's like, they won't make it back from the ruins. You know that. You know, if they wait and the, the Solidivines reach their ship, their chance to escape is gone. So Mox thinks about it for a moment and he's like, show me where their ship is. At the base, they reach this like big gap. It looks like there's like big sewage canyon below, just like stream of sewage. Cause it, they, I'm assuming it's sewage cause they talk about how it stinks. And so they're, they're close to the council. They can see it from there. They have to work their way up. They set down Gonky, plug him in, power up the council. You know, they start like pulling some data off it. Hunter says that, you know, something's coming. You know, so they need to make this quick. 
So, you know, it, but this is like something else. Deke says that he's familiar with the system, so he'll see what data he can pull onto like a data pad. Hunter and Wrecker are kind of keeping watch. The, the water below, there's like, there's like something bubbling like below, like underneath them. Then this giant vine buster to ground. Then this other big giant vine. At the ship, stack, I'm assuming it's stack, high, hot wires. One of them hot wires, like the door open. They look inside and, you know, one asks the other, it's like, do you really think you can fly this thing? Um, that one replies that he was, t I don't know who's who, I don't care, doesn't matter. He said he was top of his flight class back in Camino. And then they're like, you know, where will we go? And they're like, anywhere is better than here. They keep looking around, and one of them sees Omega's bunk and, like, her stuffy. The radio goes off. Deke's like, Mox, he's like, the vines are everywhere. It's like, it's like, all cutting out. It's like, we need, we need help. Hunter says, he's like, time's up. Get the data pad. They start running. Then there's these humongous vines, like, huge. They're tearing the place apart. Deke, like, almost falls, but they, you know, I think Hunter, one of them catches him by, by the leg. They're, they get backed by the, the stinky ooze stuff, but there's like this big hunk of metal floating down, you know, down this, like the stream, the stream of poop. They jump onto it. There's more vines and whatever. Then this, the, the ship is overhead, their ship. Cables drop down and, you know, one of the clones is like, grab the cables. You know, they're like shooting at the vines. There's vines all over. The vines start grabbing the ship and stuff like that. Um, the clone inside starts like shooting. Uh, so I think Deke makes it up there like right away because... Uh, Hunter and Wrecker like still trying to shoot all, all, all the vines. So Hunter is like on, on a on a cable. He drops a green oak. Because then below them, you see this gigantic mouth. You know, this is what's making all the vines. This huge mouth and teeth. Almost looks like a giant sarlacc, but, you know, down there. But even bigger. Um, Hunter drops like a, a thermal, you know, detonator in, into its mouth. It goes off. He's like, not enough firepower. So he yells up to... Deke and the other one to, to grab a case of explosives. They like dump it over. They drop another one over. So then like poof, 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 it, it, it lets the vines let go. They fly away. Then in hyperspace, Hunter is like sitting looking at the data pad. He looks at the three kids laughing it up with Rucker. He comes in. He says that he's been going over to data. Looks like Hemlock transferred his entire base of operations to another location. The experiments too. One of the kids like asks if the intel mentioned where he went. And he's like, there was a mention of a sector, but nothing more. It's a lead, but we've got a lot of space to cover. Rucker's like, well, if that's where Omega is, then that's where we're going. And Hunter's like, we'll drop you the th you three off someplace safe. And the one's like, where? He's like, an island. There are good people there. They'll take care of you. So then the, the, the kid's like, we're cadets without an army. I don't know where we fit anymore. Hunter's like, you have time to figure it out. Make your own path. Be something other than a soldier. And they're like, well, what about you? Our mission is not over yet. And then they do the uh, over the top, whatever, bro shake. And then camera pans to Omega Stuffy. And that's the end of the second episode. So like I said, I think, I think we'll stop there. Save the third episode for next week. So we, because there's so a lot more to talk about. All right, and then uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. So I'm only going to talk about the first episode. It's the only I only had time to. I almost wasn't going to do it this week. I was like, well, maybe I'll save it for next week. But I was like, no, I should do it because you know it just came out. It came out. Yeah, you know, I think it was like Thursday, Wednesday. So I was like, you know, people probably want to hear about it. I don't know if, if I'm going to do the whole season or not. Um, just because it's all out there now. So you may have already binged the whole thing. You know, I did I did see someone 
who I respect, they're like, I'm going to watch one episode a day to make it last, which is exactly the point. You know, you just, you watch it all at once and then it's done. And then it's like, how long until, if there's even going to be more, how long do you have to wait? So it's just like, savor it. You know, don't just scarf it all down. It's like you, you get a nice fancy dessert. You're not just going to cram it all in your mouth and eat it around. You take your bites, taste it, enjoy it, you know, to actually see what you're eating versus just scarfing it all down. So it's the same thing with these shows. When you just binge them all at once, you don't have time to even think and process what's going on. That's some of my thoughts on it. So with Avatar The Last Airbender, um, so I, I enjoyed the first episode. I, I, th- I thought they did a really good job. I, I think the character, the, the casting, the, the actors portraying these characters, they're likable, they're, they're good at this, and um, the, the script, everything seems fine. How does it compare to the original how, or how does it compare to the anime? Or how does it compare to the movie? I don't know. I have no idea. I never watched a movie, uh, even though it's M. Night Shyamalan, um, who I love. But part of it is I had never watched the anime, so I didn't watch the movie. And there's also then, you know, word got out how bad the movie was. Now, what I do know for a fact is the studio got heavily involved with it. And, and M. Night Shyamalan. So I feel it's... I feel my my thoughts, little I know, and that's all I'll say about what I know, is I feel it's unfair to put all the blame on M. Night Shyamalan. You know, he was involved with certain stuff, but basically, you know, his hands were tied a lot. You know, this, the studio, for whatever reason, tried doing this, pushing this, and, that, and then it got to the point where he's just like, you know, putting his hands up, and he's just like, this is why he doesn't do... Uh, licensed stuff anymore you know he's only going to do his own stuff he he this put a sour taste in his mouth so while he may have made some of the decisions for certain things that happened the way they did there was a lot of pressure and he he didn't have the creative freedom that he wanted to it's kind of like i I feel like the same thing happened to david lynch with dune where there is things that you know he wanted to do that he kind of couldn't and then he's like well i'm not going to do that anymore so there's that so i never saw the movie the anime, I just, I never saw it either. So I, I don't know. What I do know, my daughter's like, it's great. You should watch it. She really loves loves the anime. And, uh, you know, she didn't, didn't get a chance to watch this yet. Or uh, last I, I spoke to her. It's beloved by a lot of people. And I hope that this is, you know, true to what it should be. And it, it feels like, like it, it's, it's, it's good. So with the first episode, I'm, so I'm just going to run through the first episode. And if you're familiar, you can see like what there are, if you haven't watched it already, or if you're just curious, it starts off. And when, when I see some of these characters, I'm like, okay, am I supposed to know who this is? Are they going to come back or not? Um, so I'm totally, it's totally, totally, totally from a newbie perspective. So take that, you know, this is how you're hearing it. Not from this long-term hardcore expert. So I may be more forgiving on certain things or, or maybe like, why are we delving on this? So it starts off in Capital City. You see these fires. There's a man being chased by soldiers and guards. Um, you know, the guards have like fire power, fire bending power. And, you know, then he like gets, he's kind of gets cornered. He makes a ground like erupt and like knocks dudes out. So obviously it's earth bending, right? And the lead guard's like, oh, an earthbender. He, you know, he starts, gets away. He's running. There's this other guy, like some like critter thing. It's not like really a horse. It's like some other, you know, animal thing, which I probably should know, but I don't. He's like, hurry up. Then the dude gets hit in the back by like a flame ball. And he like, he twists his fist into the ground and makes a bunch, rise up, slam. So it's kind of cool. You know, it looks, you know, the, the effects or however they do it looks cool and stuff like that. 
it, it knocks up this like wooden scroll and it lands, you know, he kind of, so he made this scroll go flying into the waiting dude's arms. And he tells him, he's like, get it to the earth king. It's like, they're going to start a war. More guards start coming. So he raises more earth, whatever, starts fighting, uh, you know, using his fists and using the ground. He takes some hits, takes a, you know, gets hit by some fireballs and stuff like that, gets knocked down. He gets taken to like the bad guy leader and he tells, he's like, you're too late. The plans are already underway to the earth king. And an evil guy's like, good. That means all eyes will be on the earth kingdom. All eyes, but ours. And then the dude that was fighting, he's like, well, we'll be prepared for your attack. And then the, the evil guy, he's like, when your king receives those plans, he will redirect his forces to your borders and rally the support of the other nations, the water tribes and the air nomads and the entire world will turn their attention to the earthbenders. And the guy's like, you wanted us to know we aren't the real target. My sights are set higher, much higher. Why? Why are you doing this? He grabs his hand because it is our time. He sets him on fire. This other dude's like, oh, it's a merciful ruse, your highness. But technically, the airbenders are not a threat. He's like, this isn't about the airbenders. This is about the one who lives among them. The only one who could possibly stand in our way. He's like, but the avatar is yet to be revealed, which is why we'll have to kill them all. You know where this is going. The last airbender, right? So you can see it. We get the intro. Um, in case you're not aware, water, earth, fire, air, for millennia, the four nations have lived in harmony, a peace made possible by the Avatar, the one person with the ability to master all four elements and protect the delicate balance between nations. When one Avatar dies, their spirit is reborn into a new body in an eternal cycle. Since the death of the last Avatar, the new incarnation has yet to emerge. And so, Fire Lord uh, I forget his name the ruthless leader of the Fire Nation believes this is the moment to launch a merciless campaign to conquer the world his first step is to eliminate the one person who could stand in his way the next master of all four elements an airbender who may not be ready for the responsibility of becoming the Avatar so then uh, it, we go to the Southern Air Temple we see Aang I think it's Aang right not Ang. Aang He's like way up in his tower. He jumps down, uses airbending power. He can float and fly around. Some people are like, ooh, ah, you know, whatever. Um, this older dude, uh, Giazzo, calls him. You know, he's like, oh, you're a show off. And he tells him this other monk was like looking for him because he skipped his training again. Aang says, it's all the same drills. He's like, I already know all this stuff. Giazzo tells him that, you know, he may be more advanced than the others, but there's still much that he, he needs to, to learn. There may be a day that he wished that he spent more times with his teachers. Now, um, he and the other students should help set up for the Comet Festival. There's a lot of work to be done before the air nomads from the other temples arrive. Aang's like, well, how many are coming? Before he can answer, there's like this noise. They look up. Floating overhead are all these like giant beasts. Jiatsu's like, all of them. And so they're all coming. Aang runs off with the other kids, you know, to get stuff ready. This other adult He's like, have you told him? And Jiatsu says, it wasn't the right time. The man's like, we don't have the luxury to wait for the right time. You know, it's like, we need to talk to the council now. So Jiatsu, I think that's how you said it. That's how I'm saying it. He says to the council that you know, he's the youngest airbender to receive the mark of a master, but he's only 12. Uh, they, you know, so they can't ask this of him. The man's like, fire lord seizing or whatever is planning to attack the earth kingdom the water tribes are already sending warriors to aid the earthbenders and you know they need to help too as as well so they need the avatar 
Giazzo says Aang is powerful, but there's still much he, he needs to learn. You know, responsibility, expectations, sacrifice. He needs to know who he is. Sending him off early, you know, they could fail him. And, you know, this could have dire consequences for the world. The leader, dude, I'm, I'm assuming he seemed like the leader. He says that the role is a big responsibility, but it's not their place to say who bears that burden. He says that Giazzo may have grown too close to Aang to see that. And Aang must leave immediately to begin training and with the other bending disciplines because they can only hope that it's not too late for him to make a difference. Giazzo, he talks to Aang in this like sacred temple room, whatever. He remembers, he's like, remember when I first brought you here for your tattoo? He, he had him tattooed in this main room and not in the side room. Um, they start talking about past avatars that when one dies, you know, it, it passes on, whatever. Start going through a list. He's like, so that means the next one will once again be an airbender. He's like, her spirit echoes in one of us, Aang. He's like, you have always been special. The most talented airbender I've ever known. And Aang's like, I never asked to be special. But Jatsu's like, but you are, Aang. You are the Avatar. And he's like, his eyes go wide. He's like, the Fire Nation has embarked on a dire path. Their actions threaten to throw the world out of balance. Only the Avatar, the one person who can master all four elements, can save the world. The world needs the Avatar. The world needs you. Aang, you are to leave right away so you can begin training the other disciplines. He's like, right away? Leave my friends? Leave home? Leave you? Jiazzo says it's a big burden for anyone, but Aang isn't just anyone. He's strong and kind and generous. Remember that, always. Remember who you are. Aang says that he doesn't want the power. Jiazzo says that that's why he'd be a great avatar. And then Aang, like, he's like, why does he have to do this? You know, Why does he have to be different? You know, Blah, blah, blah. So then later, Aang's sitting outside while others are sleeping. Appa, his uh, sky bison, comes up to him. He talks to him about what Jiatsu said. He's, you know, he's just a kid. He doesn't want to leave. You know, he doesn't want the power. And you know, he's, he's scared of being alone. But then they go flying. He's like, let's go up higher you know, so they get like, fresh air, new, new perspective or whatever. Meanwhile, fire soldiers are ready to attack. And they're like, remember, no survivors. So they start attacking. This adult fights them off. You know, he tries calling out. It's like one dude against many. It's like, wait, where's everyone else? Giazzo gathers the kids, you know, that put them in hiding to try to get them to safety. And he's like, where's Aang? And so everyone's, now there's like a lot of people out in the streets fighting. Aang and Appa are flying. It's like, I don't know if they're above the clouds or some ocean. Then there's like these big waves. There's like a storm. There's lightning. And so he can't hear anything. And Aang says, he's like, maybe we should head back home. The airbenders are getting toasted. They're getting blasted. The entire village, you know, starts going up in flames. Jatsu's like still guarding the kids. Aang can't seem to get past these waves because now the waves are just getting bigger and bigger. Jatsu starts. He has to fight some soldiers. Aang and Appa they get hit by a wave and they start sinking. Jatsu he tries holding the flames back. This other dude said that they have the power of the comet. And then um, Aang's eyes glow. There's a big blast of energy. Then it cuts to this girl. She's like uh, doing some, I guess she's a waterbender. She's like trying to raise this bubble. So her name's Katara, who you may know from the series. She's not too successful. Uh, she goes outside this room. It's like there's snow and ice everywhere. Uh, where we see on the screen, it's it's Wolf Cove. She goes to this, out in this fishing boat with her brother, Sokka. And, and he's kind of like the leader of the village now because his dad used to be the leader, but you know something happened to him. And he asks, you know, where was she before? And then, you know, he's like, you were waterbending again, weren't you? And she's like, don't worry, no one could see me. So he comments it doesn't matter. Or, or you know, he's, he's saying that it's, you know, it's, it, if 
people find out that they're going to come after her and stuff like that. But she's like, it doesn't matter because an otter penguin could bend more water than she could. And then the water starts getting rough. They start going fast in this little boat. They hit some ice and, you know, this like iceberg thing. They go flying out of the boat. Then their boat starts like floating away. Sokka's like, oh no, you know, what do we do? But Katara's like distracted. There's like this something big under this big like ball of ice. Meanwhile, there's this big ship sailing, spewing this black smoke. It's approaching, you know, it's it's close by somewhere going, you know, through, through some ice. Sokka's trying to figure out how he can get the boat back. Katara like takes off her gloves and then she tries like water bending. The the big block of ice starts shaking, and then the ice starts cracking, and then poof. So the guy on the boat sees this big white light shoot out of the sky, and we see his face is like burnt over his left eye, and he's like, finally. Katara and Sokka, they got knocked down by this blast. They see, or we see like Ang is, Aang is, is standing there. He's kind of glowing and stuff like that, uh, where the, the ice blew up. You know, his, his arrow and his tattoo are, are glowing. Then his head stops glowing, and then he like slides down. He's like, he's unconscious. Sokka's like, where'd he come from? surprisingly somehow the boat floats back so he's like oh no like let's get the boat let's let's you know let's get back home and then katara is like by ang he's like what are you doing you know she's like you're not thinking of leaving him are you and he's like katara a strange glowy iceberg just exploded and left behind a mysterious little ball person what part of that makes you think great let's bring him home and she's like Saka, he's just a kid so then uh the others are are checking him out you know he's he's laying there this grand grand says that uh, this is an airbender. And Sokka's like, that's impossible. Airbenders don't exist anymore. So it's like, wait, what does that mean? Then a guy in a boat is, is apparently Prince Zuko. He says to this other dude, the water tribe village is in that area. They have to, we have to go there. He thinks that they'll find the avatar there because of that light. And the dude, or he's like, for three years, I've chased down every hint, every rumor, every whisper to avatar. I'll keep doing it for another three years if I have to. The older guy says that, you know, he doesn't think that his father would want him to. He's like, my father has banished me until I find the Avatar. And that's exactly what I'll do. So the older dude, he says that it's hard to see him get his hopes up every time he, he sees a, a sign. And he's like, it'll all be worth it once I return home in glory to take my place as the rightful heir to the f- Fire Lord or something like that. So the guy says, that, you know, maybe they should consider the throne isn't everything. And Zuko's like, well, maybe not for you, but for me, it's my destiny. And it's like, blah, blah, blah. You're such a whiny baby. It's like, who cares about you? Aang starts breathing. His, his, his breath is getting shaky. And he gets like a flash and he wakes up. And he's like, no idea where he's at. He goes outside. Some kids run by him. He like smiles. They're having like a snowball fight. He gets hit in the head. And then Sokka comes out yelling at them. He's like, what did I say about keeping your guard up? He's like, you know, he could be the enemy. And Aang's like, the enemy? He's like, I'm not the enemy. And Sokka's like, then who are you? He's like, I'm Aang. And he's like, where am I? How'd I get here? And he's, Sokka's like, you tell me. He's like, wait, Appa? Where's Appa? Katara comes up. Aang is like floating in the air looking for Appa. And she's like, he is an airbender. Aang blows this like high-pitched whistle. And then he lands asks Katara if she's seen Appa, his sky bison. He's like, six legs, horns, brown arrows. Then he's like, sky bison, sky bison. Repeating it doesn't help. And then Appa flies down to him, and they're like, Ugh. so he's talking to do like so uh, basically like I don't know like everyone or they're in this like big gathering room. Um, he says that the weather went crazy after he left home. That's the Southern Air Temple, you know, it's where he was at. And he's like, you know, th- th- that's where the, the air nomads live. 
Katara like just kind of nervously looks at Sokka. He's like, most of them had just arrived from you know for the great comet festival, and Grand Grand gets up and she looks at this like tapestry and she's like, water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. So the Fire Nation marched and laid waste, purging us into a time of darkness. Everyone in the village knows this story, but you don't, do you, young man? Just as you don't know that the airbenders haven't been seen in generations, and the Southern Air Temple was the first to fall because you've been trapped in that ice the whole time. The last time that the Great Comet was seen in the sky was 100 years ago. So Aang's been trapped in ice for 100 years. Aang, he just like runs out of the room. <laughs> then Grand Grand says to the others there, he may seem like just a boy, but he's much more. He is the last airbender. Name of the show. So at, back on the ship, Zuko sternly talked to his men that, you know, they will find the Avatar. You know, it's vital to the Fire Kingdom's future, blah, blah, blah. You know, they will find him and return to their families or die trying. Aang is up on his tower, like sulking. Katara comes out and she calls up to him, asks if he's okay. And he's, you know, he, he says, a hundred years, like my friends, everything I know, it's gone. And she's like, well, I'm sorry. She talks about when, you know, she was little, she didn't really understand the war. And then the firebenders came and destroyed everything in their paths. Are they all, so it's like they all have to grow up fast. Since the attack, the Fire Nation has taken over most of the world. We see Zuko's training. He, you know, he's moving around, throwing some fires. The mentor dude, he wants him. He's like, oh, I think that's enough for now. He's like, you should have some jasmine tea. You know, because he, he doesn't think that they're going to find the Avatar. So he thinks that it's just, okay, you, you know, he's just humoring him. Katara shows Aang that she can barely, you know, bend some water. You know, there's a reason that she's the only waterbender in the village that, you know, they killed the others. Aang tells her how the monk said to feel the energy around you, you know, find the balance, etc., all this stuff like that. She tries again and she makes this like ball of water float up and she's kind of like surprised and, you know, it's like, moving up and she's kind of like levitating around. She's like, I wasn't even really trying. And then it push, plops down because they see the ship coming, spewing its, its black smoke. So they run to Sokka. He's already getting like kind of everyone armed up. Katara wonders like, you know, why are they here after all this time? What could they want? And Grand Grand says they want, you know, Aang. He's more than just the last airbender. He's the avatar. And she's like, Aang? Sokka's like, I knew he was hiding something. When the world needed avatar the most, he vanished because he's a coward. He ran and people died, which isn't what happened. So he he's told that they've landed, you know, they're off the boat. Sokka tells uh, Katara to hide. And she's like, but, 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 he's like, no, he insists that, you know, she hide. And then she takes Aang with her. Zuko is standing here with his men. He introduces himself. You know, he has no desire to take their home. They seek someone who does not belong here. Turn him over or I'll, we'll burn the place to the ground. Sokka, you know, he's listening. He wants to turn him over, but Katara's like, they can't. You know, there's, there's more to being a leader than just catching fish. He has to give the people something, hope. And that's what the avatar is. So they need... You know, they need that just as much as food and shelter because she's like, I know I do. Sasaka so goes to the room where Aang is. He looks at him, but then he just reaches and takes like his club thing. He goes out to talk to Zuko. He introduces himself. He demands that they leave. And Zuko's like, oh, so that's how it's going to be. He starts to give orders to his men to like, you know, start attacking. Sokka's like, you know, why don't we just settle it ourselves, leader to leader? He's like, do you really need an army? 
one of Zuko's men's like, like, oh, don't fall for it. It's like, we outnumber them. He's like, it's no contest. And Zuko's like, well, you know, where's the glory in that? So he accepts the challenge. Starts right away. He starts like throwing flyer at him, like dancing around. Doesn't even you know give Sokka a chance to get ready. Sokka finally he starts running. He gets knocked down by a blast. He's a little little singed. Then Zuko standing over him. He's like, who needs an army now? He's about to deliver like a killing blow, but then he gets knocked back by some wind. Aang standing there. He's like, leave him alone. The army like charges at him. Zuko is just like lying on the ground staring. Aang's, you know, he, he like just jumps and like kind of floats over their head. He spins, knocks them all down with the wind blast. And Zuko's like, can't be. This dude like throws a flame ball at Aang. He like knocks it back. And then they, you know, this big wall of flame just blocks it. They all kind of start circling around him. But then they start getting hit by rocks. So the villagers are fighting back. Zuko's like, enough games. He's like, burn the entire village to the ground. And Aang's like, no. It's like, I'll go with you. Just leave them alone. It's like, I'm the one you're looking for. And Zuka's like, get him. And Katara's like, it's like, wait. And he, he, Aang's like, it's okay, Katara. And like to Sokka, he's like, no one has ever fought for me before. I think you're the bravest person I ever met. Ship sails away and they just kind of watch. And Sokka turns away and Katara like goes after him. It's like, we have to do something. And he just keeps walking. Then he tells one of like the older kids to reinforce the braces on the gate. Don't you know fall behind on, on drills. Don't let the younger ones push him around. Let them know who's in charge. And he's like, that's right. You're in charge. And then Katara, he's like, now let's go save that weird kid. Aang is put like in a cell in the ship. The one old dude, he says that, you know, there are, are many who have never imagined they would ever come. Then he apologizes and introduces himself. I am Iroh son of fire lord azulan and ang's like why did the fire nation start this war he's like some people say it is within our nature to expand and consume like fire itself others believe that true stability in this world can only happen under one rule so the drive to conquer is a drive for peace and unity ang's like but peace comes from respecting life not killing and destroying a noble sentiment but in the end for most of us it doesn't matter how this war started it only matters how it can end. And the belief is that by capturing you, the Fire Nation can finally bring that about. And he's like, is that what you believe? He doesn't answer, but then he's like, I must leave. But I look forward to many more conversations with you, Avatar. In the meantime, I'll have some jasmine tea sent to you. It's quite soothing. He's really pushing the jasmine tea. It's like it's his own brand or something. Then uh, as the guard starts moving out, Aang uses his his powers to like make the, the keys float up into his hands. So it's like, thankfully there's more than one set of keys because uh, if, if they had to lock the door behind them, they're like, Oh wait, where's my keys? They're gone now. But this other guard, I guess, locks the doors. Sokka and Katara getting ready to depart. You know, they're going to go on a boat. He's like, well, you know, maybe they can find a swift current or they can draft after wake. Katara's like, or we could go another way. And he's like, you can't be serious. He's like, Katara, no, there's no way you're getting me on that. And then it cuts to, ah, he's like screaming on the back of, of Appa flying. Aang sneaks out of, uh, around the ship. He got out of his cell. He, then he ducks into someone's room. It turns out it's Zuko's room. He sees a journal about the avatars. He hears like some noise. So he just takes a book, like he puts it like in, in the back of his pants. Then he sees the staff too. So it's a good thing he ducked in this room. Makes his way to the top. He starts like, you know, ducking around, starts running. Zuko sees him. Stop! And jumps off the ship. His staff like opens up at the top. There's like this glider thing to help him like, you know, float around. Zuko's like, open fire. 
uh, he, he makes like this big giant fireball, sends it after him. So of course, Aang is going like just on a clear and steady path. So the big fire blast hits him from behind. Instead of like weaving around, I mean, like maybe it's he's on a wind current, so you can't control it so much. I don't know. I'm not an airbender. But then, so he gets hit, you know, drops his staff. He's just like tumbling and falling. He manages to grab onto his staff, but he's still falling. He's about to slam into some like big, like huge icebergs, whatever like that. When a hand grabs him, he's like, hey, kid. He's like, Sokka. So, you know, they start flying away. Zuko's like mad. He he's, sends another big fireball at them. But this time, it's like they have time to turn and watch. It's like, okay, Appa, duck, fly down, change directions, go to the left, go to the right, go up, go down, go any direction except for straight. How does this flying work? Are you just flying on the wind? Is there no way to control it? I don't know. So um, they're about to get get hit. You know, they, they don't move. Then the fire gets hit by whoosh, big burst of water flies up and hits it. So Katara did it. And Zuko's, he's like, he's just like seething. He's just like so angry. Aang, later, he says that he can't believe they came back for him. Uh, Sokka says it's time to show those flame heads they can't step all over them. And he's like, you know the firebenders aren't going to give up. They're going to keep coming after you. And Katara's like, which means we can't go home. That would put everyone in danger. So where do we go? They fly to like some overgrown cliffs. It's a, it's a southern air temple. Everything's like destroyed. Aang is he's kind of shocked to see like all the destruction and everything like that. They go to that main temple building. He's shocked because uh, Giazzo's skeleton is like right there on on the ground still. He recalls his words about you know this being a you know big burden for anyone, but not he's not just anyone. He's strong and kind and generous. Remember that. Always remember who you are. And he's like you know fighting the tears. Then his tattoos you know, start glowing. Katara and Sokka are like, you're confused. Like, what's going on? He floats up. There's like whoosh, a big swirl of wind starts going around him, like spinning around the whole, whole room. Because like the, the domed temple room is kind of like destroyed and stuff like that. It's just rocks and debris flying everywhere. It's like, it's like a huge storm. Sokka and Katara can barely, you know, they're, they're like outside now. They're like barely hanging onto a branch. You know, but they're about to fall somewhere, fly away because, you know, it's all cliffs up there. Katara calls out to him, you know, but he's just like so in his trance and you hear Giazzo's words, I can't think of a better person to have this power. You are my friend. You will always be my friend. But then he starts to calm down. He floats down, falls to his knees. Katara runs to him, like kind of kneels next to him and like takes him in her arms to comfort him and he's just like sobbing in her, which is a very sweet and tender moment. Then later, Sokka's like, so uh, not to be rude, but what was that? And Aang's like, I don't know. He's like, there's so much I don't know. It's like, the monks are gone and, and I'm all alone. Katara's like, you know, the thing about losing everything is that's when you learn how strong you are. It's when you learn to fight. And, he, you know, he's holding Jatsu's necklace. He says that, you know, they made the ultimate sacrifice for him. He needs to make sure that the deaths weren't in vain. He's like, I need to follow through on what they wanted me to com- to do. You know, complete my training to master all the other bending skills so I can bring balance back to the world. Sokka's like, oh, is that all? Aang's like, this was my home, and now it's gone. Like, it's only after we've lost something that we realize how much it means to us. And this time we see, like, Zuko's, like, frantically, like, drawing on a piece of paper. It's a picture of of Aang, pins it to his wall, and Aang continues. We do, you know, it's when we realize that we would do anything to get it back. Anything. He's like, I don't know where this will all lead, and I don't know if I have what it takes. But the one thing I do know, I'm the Avatar and this is just the beginning.
and it is just the beginning of the series. And that's the end of the beginning, because that's the first episode. So, like I said, it, it's, it seems good. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't speak of how true it is to the, the actual, but from what little I've seen, it, 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 it seems like, like it could be. So we'll, we'll see. I will, we possibly will continue this. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how it goes, but I'll, I'll try to watch some more. They're live. This was like, this was like a little over an hour. Um, not super long, but we'll, we'll see. Cause I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I don't know if I'll get a chance to watch all of them. You let me know what you think. All right, and then the movie feature is Bob Marley, One Love. So this, uh, I, I'm, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't great. I, I mean, I, I, and what I mean by that is I feel like it could have been better, the, the movie. Not, not the subject or anything, but it, I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like this is such, such a concise shortened little little moment in his, his life and i i feel like there's just so much more so with with bob bob marley i mean I'm, I'm gonna be perfectly honest i mean i'm not like a bob marley expert i mean i i really there's there's so much i i don't know i i, I feel like he you know he, he's he's just been reduced to just the music i mean there, i feel like there's just so much more to him than just this feel good you know reggae you know smoke some marijuana music and and you know the rastafari i, I mean there's just so much that i i don't know ab- about him and I, I when when this movie came out when i saw the trailer i was like it's like oh they're making a bob marley movie interesting and then you know you see it as i was like oh i did you know this is, looks interesting there there appears to be more than i i realized and i knew about him and and you know part of it is just ig- ignorance and maybe it's it's my my feeling on old timey stuff but i mean the the history of 1976 i don't know jamaica's politics i don't know their their history and maybe i should you know maybe i i could fault you know, high school, the American U.S. education or whatever. But even with like U.S. history, we we never we didn't get to the seventies. I mean, we barely got to the sixties when when you know in, in U.S. history. I I don't know what what the answer is, and I I feel like that there's more that that could have been shown about this. Now, at the same time, I don't think people necessarily want to watch you know a political historical documentary on on what what happened and for me it was just weird because uh the movie just jumps in 1970 you know there's a actually let me back up <laughs> because i i feel like i just kind of jumped jumped into this which which is fine uh, one thing that because i knew really nothing about this movie and how it was made and who was involved or anything one of my fear was is this going to be like a like a puff piece you know, is it going to be like, oh, Bob Marley was was the greatest ever because he was he was an amazing man, and you know, is is it going to be all just you know about that? And then um, I saw the, the Rotten Tomatoes scores weren't super high. You know, the critic scores at a forty three percent, which isn't great, but critic scores lately, I I I'm not really trusting him so much. It, it seems like. It feels like critics are getting so like hardcore, like just so like I don't know, I don't want to say nitpicky, but it, it seems like that. And what I noticed, like after I watched the movie, I, I kind of glanced at this. I noticed that there was a lot of uh, like reviews in Spanish. Nothing wrong with that, 
but it, it kind of makes me wonder. So this is a, this is, it's a 43% based off 160 reviews. So part of the question is where are all these reviews coming from? And yeah, the more, the better, but when you look at, at some of these, these reviews, so if I scroll down and, you know, give some shout outs or whatever, but we have, uh, a top critic is DwightBrownInc.com. I haven't heard of that. I mean, he, he liked the movie. It's great. Awesome. Um, but then there's The Age, Australia. Then there's The Atlantic. I've heard of that. Irish Times, okay. Uh, CNN.com, obviously, you know about that. Observer UK. Entertainment Voice, I'm not sure what that is. Cine Premier. So this was a Spanish, one of the Spanish review. Um, Common Sense Media. Okay, they do reviews. That 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 I've been to Common Sense Media. I know that. Cinexception, uh, which is another Spanish one. El Universal, which is Spanish. Um, culture. So it's like some of these things. No offense. I mean, and they've never heard of me. I've never heard of them. So I, pardon me. I wonder. It's like who are all these people reviewing it? You know, I I wonder if like I could probably you know get onto the being like an actual critic on here actually be easier if i actually did written reviews like i used to i don't, I don't really do that anymore because of time and everything i blame the, the kids because of teaching <laughs> darn you kids <laughs> they're they're great uh so so that's the thing who who's actually reviewing these you know where are these scores coming from so you always got to take that even when you look at a review and i i've said this way back when i was reviewing comic books you know on, on comic fine i was always like you need to you know Pay attention to who who's doing a review. It's easy if you follow certain reviewers. So like when I talk about something, you as a listener, you know what I like, you know what I don't like. You you know where where my my thought, my brain patterns lie. Versus when you're looking at some like, oh, here's uh, you know, New York Times or here's IGN or here's USA, you know, whatever. You know, if it's something that you don't read or follow all the time, it's just some random person. When the these big sites they have multiple people doing the reviews, even though it becomes you know, New York Times review that's a com that that's that's their um thoughts on it, it's really the thoughts of that one person. So, you know, you really need to need to be aware of this. And the same thing, you know, when you were, you look at video game reviews, whatever, it, it really helps if you know who is doing the actual reviewing versus the website. Obviously, what I can speak to that, if you're looking at certain video games, you're going to try to get someone who knows that game, that franchise, that genre. If it's a racing game and someone's never played a racing game, you're not going to do it. If it's like, oh, you're only into like first-person shooters, whatever, here's Madden, whatever, you know, here's a football game, you're not going to do that. So you got to take those things into consideration. Now, what I have been looking more towards is the audience scores. And even the audience scores, that isn't necessarily totally trustworthy and it's i feel like i'm only spending way too much time on this but the audience scores because now you know they, they've switched it to like verified you know uh ratings they're trying to make it so people aren't just you know doing fake you know re- review bombs or, or whatever so hopefully it's a little more accurate but the audience score is at 93 percent huge difference 43 percent critics 93 percent audience so when i saw that critics i was just like why, why, why is this so low? Is, is the, you know, is there any controversy over, you know, who, who's doing it over the movie? Is, is, you know, did they skew it a certain way? Did they skip stuff or what? I really don't know. 
And then when the other thing I, I noticed under credits, I saw Brad Pitt's name as a producer. Uh, I didn't, didn't even realize that. And I'm looking at a Wikipedia page, which, you know, isn't like the go-to. I, I should should be digging deeper. But it's like he's not even listed on a Wikipedia page. So I was just like, wait, did I see Brad Pitt there? I, I don't know. Going back to the movie, the, the heart of it, Bob Marley is... is 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 played by Kingsley Ben Adir, and he does a really good job with it. You know, I I I know what Bob Marley looks like. You know, I've I've seen him perform. You know, clips of it, obviously. I've never seen him live. No way. Um, not 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 that old, or lucky, fortunate. It he looks like you know he conveys from what what little you know my my knowledge of Bob Marley is he he looked he he was in the role he he I feel like he really emulated who Bob Marley was and the the whole thing is as I'm watching is like wait this is graphic from Secret Invasion he was a, such a jerk evil bad guy and then now he's playing Bob Marley who's such an amazing like kind and and you know peaceful it's like complete opposite of of grabbing so i i thought that that was neat but like i i said so the movie just it oh here's what i was saying <laughs> this is see, this is not scripted I, i'm just just let you know this is this is for real this is real stuff this from the heart when the movie started you know every once in a while you have the director or an actor or whatever's like thanks for watching or doing this whatever so ziggy marley came up on screen and he's like, thanks for watching. Now you can hear the story about this. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, Ziggy Marley's on board with this. This isn't like an unauthorized thing, you know, whatever. So hopefully this will be a little more legit, could be accurate. I did hear some stuff or whatever, but I don't know who it is. I forgot who I was talking about. I don't know if it was records or if it was like drug paraphernalia stuff or whatever, but I, I believe, um, more stuff has been licensed out through the Marley's from, you know, various family members or, or whatever. So who knows? I mean, that that's always my, I'm super skeptical. I'm hoping that this, this movie is legit and, and all that. To my surprise, as I started saying before, it's jumps in 1976. You know, there, there's some text before a movie starts. You know, Bob Marley had a hard life upbringing and all stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, boom, he's an adult. He's got kids. I was like, okay. We're, we're starting here. That's fine. Not that I was, I was expecting to see, like, here's Bob Marley at the hospital the day he was born. But it was just weird that it just kind of jumps that far forward. So we don't really see his upbringing. There's some flashbacks, like him as a kid and, you know, he being, a, like, abandoned by his father. And and some of it's accurate. Some of it's, like, like kind of symbolic and, and all that. But that did, I guess, you know, shape who he is and, and so forth. So, you know, we, we do see some of that. There's like reference to his mom's and, you know, his mom. And we get some, you know, flashbacks with that. But it just felt like that that was really glossed over. So when we're seeing Bob Marley, we don't really get a sense of like why he is who he is. So it was just kind of weird. And in, in Jamaica, you know, there's the, the political climate was just like, you know, there's, you know, just on edge, you know, with, with the violence and the opposing factions and everything. And Bob Marley was about to do this, this free concert, you know, you know, One Love and, you know, Concert for Peace. And he was getting death threats because of that, because, you know, they, they think that he's siding with one side or the other and when, and it's just... He gets attacked at his house, and you know you see this in the trailer. It's just it's crazy, and you know no one should should deal with that. It's it's 
it's just, it's so appalling the way, you know, you, you think about these, these other nations where we're so fortunate, you know, people complain about, you know, uh, you know, United States, not perfect, but we we're so lucky with, with how things are. Although, you know, things always got a little, little hairy, people trying to throw a coup or whatever. And, but you, you look at how just that the fact that just people shooting at each other and, and, you know, armed guards everywhere. And it's, it's just it, crazy to, to think of just having that instability, like not knowing what, you know, what, what your government's going to be like, how your country is going to be run because it, it comes down to, you know, you're seeing tanks and, you know, machine guns or whatever. And it's, it's really like whoever has the, you know, bigger guns and the bigger bullets and all that, that that's, what's going to, decide things and it's just to me it's just crazy and then you know bob marley he's just like no man he's just like you know he just wants to relax just embrace the music and and that's thank goodness that this was an official thing because you know the music is such a big part of it every every one songs come on man uh, you know my my tap my, my tap my foot is like tapping along and i'm just like it's just such such good music and and again i i feel like a lot of people just really not necessarily dismiss reggae music, but they, they kind of just like overly simplify it, just kind of pigeonhole it into like, oh, that's just what this is. But I mean, it's a whole, I don't know, it's a, it's, it's not it's a movement or I don't even know, I'm not a you know music expert, to, you, know, you know, but it's just, it's just makes you feel so good when you hear all this stuff. And, you know, we do see some parts where they're like recording and performing and it's just real, they, they do a good job with just showing how that is and just, making it work and making it happen and uh, and then with the the live scenes you know however they created if it was digital i don't know but i mean it just it looks looks good and yeah it, it makes me like i i need more bob marley and and you know more in my collection you know i need more bob marley music and uh it's just it's it's so good but like i said the problem is the movie is it just it's it feels so 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 fast. It has a runtime. I think it was just like it's 104 minutes, so it's under two hours, and it's just like boom, boom, boom. It's like okay, and you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it uh, does tell this portion of his life, but then obviously, you know, he he passed away. You know, he died of cancer, and it kind of alludes to that at, at at the end of the movie and stuff. And then it just kind of jumps to like okay, then that's it. You know, so we're gonna go from 78 to 81 you know that that's it it's it just it felt kind of weird and this would have been better while you know it's great seeing it on a big screen and and, and all that if it, it feels like this would have been better as it's like a a streaming miniseries like on, on something you know like max or netflix or and maybe not netflix i don't know but i i feel like there's so much more that could have been explored and 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 seen now granted as as great a person as bob marley is we do get some hints that he wasn't like a perfect you know angel all the time because you know when he's talking with his wife you know she one time they, they get into this fight you know there, there's like some jealousy and stuff like that and then she's kind of you know going off of him she's like you know you're never here she's like what are you talking about you know i'm sitting around and he's like well i provide for you and he she's like just a, a house and you know what again you know, that that's not just everything you know she she needs more than that and she's like i'm raising your kids and your kids from you know another woman and all that so he, he i forgot he had like five kids or something like that and i don't know I don't know if that was well because we you know we see flashbacks of when they meet when they're young, so I'm assuming 
that he had kids with another woman while he was with her? I don't I don't know. And that that's the thing which if that's the case, you know, Bob Marley's not a saint, you know, as 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 you know, as he's often portrayed or as how he kind of is seen here, you know, he's he's such a, you know, wholesome, you know, peaceful peace bringing person, but you know, if if he stepped out a bit or whatever, that's not really, you know, that's alluded to. It's not completely ignored. So, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, well, are there other things? Not that we need to see like, oh, let, let's tarnish the man. Let's tarnish the legend. Let's let's beat him down and, and get to the, the dirty, gritty. You know, that's, we don't need that. This isn't TMZ. But at the same time, if there are some dark moments, you know, you, you can't just ignore it and say, well, that never happened. You know, that that's part of life. And that's, you know, who he was good for good or or, or, or not you know, it, it should be at least mentioned. So that little comment there, okay, that was something. But yeah, so, you know, we, we do see different aspects and um, it just, it felt really fast. And I, I just, as I, you know, I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I just wish it could have gotten deeper, but at the same time, you, you don't want it to get too technical. So it's, it's a fine line, I guess, you know, trying to, trying to find that balance and uh, I, you know, it's. I don't think it's tr- maybe trying to be or meant to be a you know complete tell-all story of his life. So maybe this was just around the time of the concert and you know recording it of Exodus and I, I. But to me, when I saw this movie, even though it's called Bob Marley One Love, I thought this is the life of, of Bob Marley. You know, we're gonna find out who he was and how he came to be. And but it's like no, it's it's just this you know, short, you know, few year span, which is fine. I just didn't know that. I'm glad I saw it. You know, I, I didn't see it when it first came out because I saw Madam Web, which it's not as bad as people say. It's not great, but it's not as bad. But I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad that nothing opened up that is a podcast, you know, movie this, this past week so we could talk about this. Because, you know, I'm glad I saw it on, on the big screen and, and you know, is it a must see in the big screen? It, it it depends. You know, it's it's great performances, and you know the the music great, and and it's important. You know, topic person. So it's 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 not a must see. You know, big screen thing, but I think it is good to see it with the sound and you know all all that. I enjoyed it. So um, Bob Marley was an amazing man. It makes me want to know more about him, and um, I don't know how. Uh, you know, I got to figure out how I'm going to do, you know, what, what I should be looking at or whatever to, to find out more. But I, I think they did a good job. Now, again, I'm not an expert, so I don't know if there's any, you know, things could have been better, but it seems like, I don't know, like people are saying it, it was fine. Uh, the movie had a, a budget of 70 million and it looks like as of now, it's like 80.5. It made its budget, but it still has to, obviously, you know, Daisy always say three times the budget or something like that, the break even, which is, is weird. But hopefully it'll it'll keep doing more. And, you know, it, it did better than Madam Web at the box office. So hopefully it, it'll continue and then, you know, maybe home release and stuff like that. Because it's, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, we, we need more movies about other people. And um, I really hope that this opens the eyes of a lot of people because... Like I said, you know, a lot of people are just, 
it i because like you know back in high school it's like when you know people would put throw on bob marley every once in a while at, at a you know par- a party and and you know this was like a part it was mostly like white kids when these parties i was going to um I don't. I, I don't think people really knew. I didn't know really who he was or what he was about. How important he was. So I. I think it's it's worth seeing just to support the movie, if if nothing else. And uh, with that, thank you for supporting the show by listening. And um, um, you know, I, I never say it. You know, throw some comments in. You know, if if you wherever you listen, if you're listening on Spotify or Amazon or Apple. You know, throw throw on a, a a review. You know, uh, I don't know if maybe that helps. I, I really don't know how that stuff. I don't promote myself as much as maybe I should, but but there you go. That is going to be this week's episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently looking at 1976 Marvel's What If. Yeah, so we just looked at What If Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four. What if, uh, what was it? The Avengers had never been, was that last week? What if, um, Hulk had kept Banner's brain? That was, uh, two weeks ago. Um, so we'll probably do another one this week. Um, I'm really kind of hesitant. It's, it's about the invaders, but it's old time World War II. I, I'm so tempted to skip it. Um, but we'll see. If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash heck. What is going to be next week? Next week is going to be Dune Part 2, finally. So that means I should probably watch Part 1 again to just remind myself how the movie was. And then uh, I'll probably, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think if there's, I, this is a point where it's like, okay, I should know what, what's coming up. Uh, there'll be more Star Wars Bad Batch, probably more Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Maybe that's it. I don't know if anything else is starting. I don't know if I can do any more has been hotel. We'll see. Let me know. Um, I haven't heard anything if, if people are, are interested in that or not. But uh, that is going to be it. Um, I'm trying to think there, there's something else coming up. With that, Thank you for listening. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Hope you remember, be good to each other. That's what's up, chicken butt.